It's June 24th, 2021. This is Rook. She is an Iranian-Canadian comedian and commentator who has taken the internet by storm with her very funny posts and poignant observations. Sahar Golshani is a diaspora kid, but she's very, very Persian and has a lot to say about our culture and practices. And she does so with amazing candor and confidence that you can hear on her podcast, Unfiltered. She also happens to be the co-founder of the popular Chalod's design clothing brand, Sahar Golshani. Coming up in the Rook studio, plus a new edition of It's All Persian to Us with Keon. This is conversations from, to, and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode 121 of Rook. Hope you're keeping well wherever you are tuning in from around the world. Salam, Dustan Aziz. Omidvar Hastam ke khub va mizun hastin. Hello to you from Canada. Or if you're in Canada, hello to you from also Canada. <laughs> Keon. Are you going somewhere with this? <laughs> I'm just trying to tell people we're in Canada and we're saying hello I to think them. They got it. Shia, can you turn me up a little bit, sure. please? Yeah. All I can hear is Keon, which uh, I don't see is someone's wrong with dream, that. but not mine. <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> no, it's lovely. It's to Reza's hear dream. That's <laughs> right. It's Reza's dream. <laughs> Better now? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Thank so. you. <laughs> Can you turn yourself down? <laughs> For the rest of the show, please. We're coming to you on rookmedia.com. Uh, it is there that you can link to all of our platforms. We're, we're on an ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. So we're, our podcast platforms are Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Telegram. If you'd like to see some visuals with Rook and see us on social media, you can find us uh, or switch over to YouTube or Instagram right now. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and in Persian, in Farsi, uh, do check us out on Telegram. It's Rook Media everywhere, including, as I say, our website, rookmedia.com. So the fabulous Keon, Sahar Gulshani, coming up in this studio in mm-hmm. just a few moments. I'll kick you out. You'll come in here. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan. I am too. She's yeah, quite... I'm, She's hilarious. There's no other way to put it. She is really funny, uh, and she's but she also amazing and profound observations yeah. about our culture. Uh, you know, she she's really uh, nailed it in terms of being someone who's grown up in the diaspora and who I, I, I've got to ask her about why and how she is so Iranian. Yeah. You know, because she didn't grow up in Iran You're at right, all. Right. You know, she's very very she wasn't Persian, born there and she and doesn't have a latch. She doesn't speak Persian with an accent. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's amazing. We had her on our um, 
clubhouse town halls a few times and yeah. and she's great and she also has I, I really I like her podcast it's called unfiltered mm-hmm. there's this episode that she did called my dark past now I'm sure just knowing Sahad I'm sure a lot of our our chat is going to be fun and and um, funny but uh, but this my dark past episode where she opens up about her family and and some of the difficulties she's had and and some themes that I think will be quite universal for a lot of Iranians. I want to ask her about that. And um, it it is so raw, the way she talks about her past, especially in that episode, uh, that um, uh, I think she does a great service to folks out there who... um, who will be able to relate and uh, and uh, f- find solace in knowing that there's somebody out there who's gone through uh, right. difficult things with uh, vis-a-vis her parents, in particular her dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get to all of that. Sahar Golshani coming up in the Rook studio. Uh, hello to you, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Uh, hello, Groovy Shia. Hi, Azizam. Hello, Azizam. Extra uh, groovy today. Yeah. How come the rest of you don't call me Azizam? He always calls me Azizam. It feels unnatural. Yeah. I don't really think of you that way. You're not so Aziz. If you said me. Azizam, I'd be like, ew, ew why? Yeah, yeah. What's Just happening? Filthy. You're my sister. Yeah. The other day you told me Jonah. I know. I was like, oh. what? <laughs> well, Shia and I have a whole other intimate kind of relationship. Romantic. Yeah. Man, I, I don't know if you guys, sorry, I you know I was running running in here sometimes before we start our, our program uh, uh, we have to we used to say in the band uh, see a man about a horse I have to <laughs> go and jeesh yeah. you know yeah and um, I don't even know if I should tell the story but, but like it, it just now this just happened you know when you uh, do you know that uh, there's a bathroom that's in there's a there's the women's and the men's and then there's a handicap non-binary Private. in the middle yeah yes. like yes. you can just anybody can use it yeah. but it's also uh, an accessible uh, yeah uh, right. bathroom um, and so sometimes in a rush you know I, I, I run in you know you run in that one and if there's nobody in there They've instituted these things where it's a, oh, yeah. it's a. Do you know where I'm going with this? Yeah. Where it's a, it's a. Oh, you, if I you, have anxiety it's a non-touch I'm open, <laughs> open, <laughs> open and close. Let me yeah. try to explain this to the audience. So when you walk into the, I guess this is because of COVID. Right. This fabulous building has put these these buttons in <laughs> right near the door so and one of them is if you wave your hand in front of it the door will close and lock and then the other is if you wave your hand in front of it the door will open and they're right next like what brainiac put these right next to each other right so i really had to jeesh and i run in and like first of all there's all kinds of anxiety it's like can i just close the door yeah. but it, you're not allowed to close that you can't actually manually can't close the door do you have to let the electronics yeah. do that their work so i i'm in the i'm in the room and i'm 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 starting to like anticipating the <laughs> electronic door closing itself right oh. and i'm start like and i'm trying to do this with uh, efficiency so i'm starting <laughs> to pull down my pants oh my god and, no i mean you know i the door's starting to close oh. and so i wave my hand in front of the thing tell me this hasn't happened to you uh, if you guys had this i wave my hand in front of the thing to lock it and then as yeah, my hand I crosses the lock, it crosses the other button too, and then oh, it God. opens. Oh, God. I mean, it was like a scene out of, um, <laughs> you know that uh, movie Lost in Translation where yeah, yeah, Bill yeah. Murray's in Japan and he's trying to work the, uh, in his hotel room, yeah. he's trying to work all the, the buttons yeah. and he doesn't know what they do and the gadgets. I mean, this the door keeps opening and closing. <laughs> 
a man just wants to, you know, relieve himself and get do his show. Right? I would just hold off on pulling down your pants before you actually. Clock yeah, I the didn't door. totally pull them. I don't want to, you know. I mean, I, I had started. The process was in. I was trying to go as fast as I could to get to the studio here. Yeah. No, worse than that happened to me the other day. I was sitting there and uh, <laughs> I thought it was closed because the same situation like I waved I'm like okay it said click and you don't know if it's locked or yeah, not you're not allowed to lock it anymore 100%. you have to run put your hand flow your hand over the button I mean this is this is the equivalent of, you know those taps where you spend half an hour trying to get the water to come out because it's a hands free oh, yeah. it's this but you don't know if you've locked the, the door no, you're in a no, bathroom no. right? and I didn't I hadn't actually locked the door so this gentleman with mask and he earphones on he opened the door and I'm saying uh, excuse me excuse me excuse me and he just kept walking in right, and right. he saw me sitting there and I'm like sorry buddy it didn't lock so no right, shame. he was more embarrassed than I was I guess wow yeah, yeah. But you knew, well, you know what I'm talking about, right? That oh, yeah. The anxiety yeah. of these, like, yeah, buttons. Yeah, it's happened that, to me. I just, yeah. I did not have my pants down while it happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I find that a little odd. Uh, listen, you, I mean, how long do you, for, I mean, you know, if you really have to go to the bathroom, you walk it, you know, you go in. How, I mean, first of all, this door, it takes a long time to open and close. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're So right, you have yeah. to wait there yeah. while it closes. Yeah. I mean, oh, I like to start the process of, like, getting ready for you know it's even more awkward as it's closing and you see people walking by making <laughs> eye contact like yeah I'm, you know uh, <laughs> here I, to do the business I mean I, listen I feel bad this is it's probably uh, because it also functions as an accessibility bathroom. Right. So, you know, but I'm not sure that this is helping because <laughs> there's no manual control. I mean, there's no ability to control what's going on in there. Um, listen, <laughs> the content gets much richer from here. We promise you. Uh, if you, because uh, I'm, I'm doing the pitch for patrons now right after this. Uh, if you uh, like what you're hearing on this program, you know, I was thinking about people probably hear me say this each episode. The regular uh, listeners of Rook hear me go, hey, become a patron of Rook. And, you know, this really is how we. Uh, how we intend, how we really want to do this program with as little advertising and was li- with as little sort of corporate, you know, logos everywhere mm-hmm. on our on our products, uh, is to crowdfund this, and we do that through asking you folks to be patrons. So you go to our website, rookmedia.com, you press the support us button, and then you can become a patron for five or ten dollars a month. And you know, I think if you do listen regularly, mm-hmm. and you kind of have been one of those people who just glosses over at this point you go yeah yeah, yeah. he's asking about mm-hmm. patrons if you could become a patron that would be it'd be really great for us because right. and we we always get so overjoyed even if it's five dollars a month ten dollars a month you can i mean there's more available as well you know but it, it means a lot to us and yeah. it means that you're part of our our circle our team and become yeah. a patron it keeps yeah. us alive and it keeps this project ongoing and that's you know that's the dream and we can only do it with your help yes yeah. Yeah. it will help i can get haircuts <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not that's, what, that's not them. what it'll be used <laughs> for. <laughs> that's not. By the way, you are. I mean, I, we say this every episode, but you're you're transforming into a character from from the Hobbit. Looks like a chia pet. The, the, the Hobbit, you know, Lord of the Rings. I mean, you've got. I mean, it's just uh-huh. turning into. I don't know what's happening with you. Bobo Baggins. The Princess over there. Bride. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a, various characters from films that with. with no. Your hair is expanding upwards. I didn't know it, it was capable. Sort of an afro. It's that. like not an afro, but it's yeah, like curly now. I 
think yeah. because of the weather, because mm. the humidity in the world. Captain Reza, by the way, he's, he's given up on the, what's the Twitter guy named? Jack Dorsey. He's given up on the beard. <laughs> oh, he's that's right. shaved yeah. the beard a little bit and shit, cut his hair. He looks like a handsome guy again. Normal. Yeah, he's, not, he's not that handsome. As he's out of Nike. Uh, by the way, if you don't want to be a patron, or you, if you are a patron, you could also be a sponsor of Rook. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, a shout out to someone in the global Persian community who's doing really fine things in terms of paying it forward and supporting community projects. Mo Rahimian. Mo Rahimian and his company in Shufin. He is in Canada, left Iran, came to the West in 2002, and he'd been involved in electronics in Iran and basically had to completely start over, as many folks do when he arrived here. And he has built this solid reputation as one of the most trusted folks in financial planning, insurance, and investment. Uh, He started this company called Inshufin, Inshufin. Maybe as important, he believes in giving back to and supporting the Iranian community and culture. So he takes most all of his profits and puts them back into supporting Iranian community films, events, art galleries. He sees the role of community members in the diaspora to support each other. So a big thank you to Mo Rahimian and Inshufin for doing what you do for the community and for helping make these episodes happen. Thanks, Mo. Uh, I want to mention who we have coming on the show on Monday, speaking of our community, and this is more of our global community, Dr. Shaheen Nuri. Kian, I, I know you know about him because you posted about him on Instagram. Dr. Shaheen Nuri is an Iranian-American neurologist. He's based out of New York City. He's actually the founder and director of the Comprehensive Epilepsy Center at the New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital. Uh so Dr. Shahi Nuri, I mean, in other words, he's a prestigious doctor in our diaspora. Uh, he's also someone who's um, suffering from an illness right now. He was last spring diagnosed with a very rare and aggressive form of lymphoma. Now, we'll get more into the uh, details of this when, when I actually speak to him. But um, this is a, a, a very severe form of lymphoma as well as a severe immunodeficiency. And at this point, his only hope of survival he's talked a bit about this made a couple of videos talking about this he's a very modest guy you know and i know it took a lot for him to even make these these videos he has about three months to live his only hope of survival is a stem cell transplant from the blood of a healthy compatible donor within the next few months now here's the here's the interesting part and this is the part where when we talk about you know, as Iranians, people of Iranian background, uh, we're like everybody else. We're white people. We're Caucasian. The most likely stem cells that will work for him by a long shot are people of Iranian background between the ages of 18 to 35 in Canada, 18 to 44 in the United States. That's the most likely kind of stem cell that will allow him to survive. This is when the chips are down. You really realize that there is something in us, you know, we, yeah, there is, whether it's race us. or blood, however you want to describe it, that, you know, this is now medical. This is this, this, the only way this person can survive is to get a stem cell transplant, and the transplant most likely has to come from an Iranian. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to focus the whole, ep- and, and there's a side issue with this, which is that part of the reason he's having trouble getting this transplant is because... Uh, in the stem cell bank, you know, there's people who donate stem mm-hmm. cells. Yeah. 
only 1% of the global bank of stem cells is people of Middle Eastern background. Mm -hmm. There's very, very few stem cells of there of, of folks of Iranian background. I, I'm not sure, I'm probably not even describing this correctly. I'll get into a lot more of the details when we speak to him on mm -hmm. Monday. That's part of his campaign. Uh, it's, it's quite selfless where he's saying, look, don't make this about me. Let's make this about building a stem cell bank for people who are gonna be in this situation. And I don't know if that's because of the government of Iran or our culture or what, why we don't have this bank of stem cells uh, of people of Iranian background, but uh, he sure needs it. And so, um, I'm honored that he's gonna come on. We're not gonna spend the whole time just talking about lymphoma. I, I wanna hear about what he does as a doctor, what he, he has built this epilepsy center himself. I mean, he was the guy who founded it and he, he's a prominent neurologist. We'll get to all of that, but Dr. Shaheen Nuri coming up on Monday on Rook. And in the meantime, uh, we'll put, if, you, if you're watching us on uh, YouTube or Instagram right now, you'll see we've put up the link to an Instagram page where you can support him. Uh, and we'll link to that in our description for this uh, program as well. If you haven't seen it already, you can find the link there uh, on any platform you're listening to uh, this on in case you know someone or if you are somebody between the age of 18 and 35 who thinks you can donate uh, stem cells and help uh, Dr. Nori survive. Uh, and wherever you're listening to us in the world, I think this is, uh, you know, this is something that's important. I don't know if you'll, if Dr. Shaheen Nouri will be able to use, uh, I don't know if there's international regulations around this. He mm -hmm. might need somebody in the States, you know, but for sure, stem cells that, that are needed everywhere yeah. for Iranians in the diaspora. So yeah. this is important. Uh, next Thursday on the program, it's actually Canada Day, which is a mm -hmm. holiday for those of you who are uh, not from Canada or don't, this is our national day. And on that day, we're going to have Dr. Reza Moridi as our guest, who um, Canadians will surely know as uh, was the first Iranian-Canadian uh, prominent politician in this country and uh, a cabinet minister in the Ontario government. Um, Dr. Reza Moridi, also a scientist himself. Uh, and also in the coming days on Rook, Tara Tiba, the uh, mm. fabulous musician who is now in Australia, and Behzad Boulour the um, broadcaster of BBC fame and the musical encyclopedia. Looking forward to having him on the program. We have It's All Persian to Us today, right? Yes, yes. Would you like a clue? Uh, yes, I would like a clue. It has something, something. It has something. <laughs> something to do. It has something to do with the way we are talking. I where oh, that came man. from. That was weird. Uh, all all that fondness just erupted for me. <laughs> uh, it has something. <laughs> A baby. <laughs> it has something to do with cats. Uh, yes. The musical? No. The shit movie? <laughs> not oh, sure. yeah. quite, quite the contrary uh, to that. Persian cats. Persian uh, no, cats. not Persian cats, just cats in general oh. and how they were utilized. All right. Oh. A new uh, edition of It's All Persian to Us coming up. Uh, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, uh, the fabulous kid. Okay, let's clear the studio and bring in our featured guest. And. Um, my featured guest today is well, something of a sensation on social media and the co-founder of the Chalad's Design Clothing brand, 
Sahar Gulshani is an Iranian-Canadian comedian and commentator who was born in Turkey, moved to Vancouver when she was two months old, and then moved to Toronto in 2013. She is a self-proclaimed whitewashed FOB, fresh off the boat, who is known as an unfiltered, unapologetic Iranian girl who isn't afraid to speak her mind. And you can witness that, that candor, that is, and that comedy on her popular podcast called Unfiltered. Sahar's motto is, you think it, but I say it. And it couldn't ring more true to her character, having never been to Iran, but heavily invested in our Persian culture. She brings a fresh take on issues and traditions within the Iranian community with a touch of humor to make it digestible for the average listener. She's currently working on a one-woman interactive comedy show, and she hopes to inspire more Iranians to not care so much about what others think. But first, right now, Sahar Golshani joins me in the Rook studio. Hello. Golshani. It's Golshani. <laughs> and I know you care about this. Because everyone But at least I didn't call it. you Sahar. Yes, yeah, Sahar. <laughs> Sahar Golshani. Golshani, yes. Jesus. Everyone says Golshani. Easy. I don't know why. Because Golshani sounds Does right, it? doesn't it? I don't know. Maybe. Sahar Golshani. Mm-hmm. Let me do the last line again. And right now, Sahar Golshani. What? what? Joins me in the Rooks. <laughs> Did that feel better? Yes. It's so nice to have you here. It's nice to be here. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Our, um, I said I read the part in the intro where it says uh, you want to inspire Iranians to not care so much about what others think. I mean, this is kind of a leading question in that I think I know the answer, but do Iranians disproportionately care what others think? 100%. That they lead their whole lives by... If I do this, what is this person going to think or say or feel? And they never do what they want to do. They meaning we. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, I you, guess. You, 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 I mean, are you that way? Do you do you care? Unfortunately, I. it's a lifelong battle to not really? care. No, I really genuinely don't care. But, but I grew up with a mother who was like shushed us when we spoke oh, outside yeah. the house you know yeah. and it's like mom they don't even speak farsi yeah. like you know yeah, yeah. The, they'll understand we're speaking farsi like, everything was <laughs> something to worry about yeah. you know so no, my I, mom was like that too except i was just a shit little shit and i was like i don't care i'm just gonna do it anyways. from an er- i mean i get from that you don't age. care now but no i was always really like yeah you never cared high, never high school you Never. didn't really i just as long I, like i have this theory where not theory but like mindset whereas as long as you're not being disrespectful and like outright just you know vulgar tell people how you feel be honest it's just honesty you no, know? no but honest well wait a second that's one thing honesty yeah. but caring about what others think of you yeah well then you're, you're you can be honest because you don't care what people are gonna think uh-huh you know what i mean but I mean, you're not you, being apprehensive of, oh, like maybe I shouldn't say how I think or how I feel about something because this person's going to feel bad. Like with my friends, one of the reasons why, and I asked them, I'm like, why do you guys like me? Like, why are you friends with me? <laughs> They're like, well, because you're the only person who will tell us what the real truth. Uh-huh. They can trust that it's not coming. There's no errors. There's, you're not, yeah, you're yeah. not bullshitting. But, exactly. but, but, but on the other hand, I mean... Do you care uh, if somebody writes in right now and uh, having listened to this and says, this person is, I don't know, doesn't sound smart. You don't care. That's their opinion and they're entitled to it. That everyone has different opinions and Wow, that is so balanced. I... Before this, the end of this interview, I've got to feel. I got to figure out whether you actually mean that. Though. No, I swear. That's you really don't care. Would you care what anyone thinks? What about somebody you want to impress? 
No, because I never want to impress anyone. You don't want to impress. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, surely you have an idol. You have a. I don't. Is that weird? Everyone's like, oh, do you have like a celebrity crush or do you have like someone you look up to? No. Like, I, and I always tell this, I guess, to my followers too, because they're like, who's your idol again? And I'm like, me in the, in like the best. like point of life i strive to be that person that person's uh, my idol wow but wait a second i know you're into music right i'm a uh, yeah okay so is there a, wh- who's your favorite artist name name an artist that you love doesn't have to be iranian or do you um i really like sevdaliza i uh, like how she's different okay and she does her own thing so if she r- writes to you on you know social media you don't care what she thinks of you I wouldn't fangirl either. I wouldn't really be like, oh my god, like that's what you, you know, that's what you're supposed to be. But it, like, no, I'd just be like, oh my but god, this isn't is that so cool. fun? I'm like, I'm a lifelong know. fan of David Bowie. If I ever met him, I'd be like, uh, I would be das Poche. I mean, he's dead. But, but if, here's know, the I, thing: like, I don't, I, I have another mindset where I'm like, I never put people on a pedestal. Like, you, it doesn't matter who you are. You're still a human. Mm-hmm. You might have just done different things and you might, like, you know, be into different, do make different art or make different music, mm-hmm. but you're still a human. But how far do you go with not caring? Now, I can't believe I'm defending the, <laughs> the Iranian mindset of caring. <laughs> Shouldn't people care about what we think? So I'm assuming, first of all, let's put that you, you don't care about driving a BMW or no. any of that. I don't nonsense. even drive a car. I'm right. against, like, driving cars. But that's, uh, this yeah. is like, uh, oh, my God, what do you saying but but let's say a friend of yours yeah so airfon is yeah. your friend a common friend of ours so if airfon says you know i really what you said really hurt me that, that i didn't i didn't feel good about what you said on your podcast the other day it felt like it was that that wouldn't bother you no if it's not rude and if it's not you know something malicious wow yeah. what is your theory about why iranians disproportionately care so much what others think because of that perfectionist persona that we want to portray 24 mm. seven, mm. you know, everything's great. We have the best life, best husband or wife, best mm-hmm. kids. And I guess, I don't know, I've never been to Iran, but my theory is because in Iran, you have to live a double life. I guess that kind of pushes it forward as well. What do you mean by that? Um, double life. So you're one person outside of your home and then you're another inside and you're kind of forced to live like that. Um, so when you're outside, you just want to present the best version of yourself mm-hmm. and the most like G-rated, I guess. <laughs> um, so it kind of trickles down and it translates into our whole culture, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I don't know, I could be totally wrong. But So we're an entire um, nationality or ethnicity or whatever you call us uh, of imposters. Kind of. Mm. I mean, I feel like that's a little bit of a harsh word. I think we just... Not not just a little bit. I yeah. Mean, I, I, but, I, but I mean, if we're all bullshitting, yeah. uh, then... We really like, we are, we really like perfection. Mm. So that's what we're always trying to portray. Yes. And know. and this, I mean, this expresses itself in all kinds of ways. I mm-hmm. mean, I've, I've said this on the show many times where I did come from... I, love my parents to death but i but i came from a family where you know if it was like oh dad i got an a but you know reza got a plus right it would always be something that you're not you know there's there's more work to be done okay uh and so i get that perfectionism thing i don't know why we're why in particular 
we're that way. In some cases, it generalizes as the immigrant experience. But we just uh, want to be superior at all times. Uh huh. You know, right? And somehow we're the best. We know we're like, not. Oh yeah. Because we have to tarif about how we're. Oh superior. yeah, exactly. That's actually <laughs> one of the biggest things that kind of like shook my entire existence because I, you know, you grow up. And you hear all these things about how Iran's the best, Iran invented this, Iranian art, and we're number one. And then you grow up and you're like, that is so far from the truth. <laughs> like, what are you guys telling us when we're growing up? It's so, it's such lies. Like, my entire life was lies. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, there is some great is, Iranian art. For yeah. sure. And I swear to God, after this podcast, people, are, uh, it happens every time I talk about it. <laughs> Sarah only shits on Iranians. And it's like, no, I swear, you need to be able to talk about these things in order to fix them. Yeah, I mean, you do, I mean, the notion of unfiltered is, actually, I was thinking about it in preparation for this. I mean, it's basically antithetical to the average Iranian family. And I guess that's partly your point, mm -hmm. right? Is yeah. is I'm going to defy exactly. the cultural rules, yes. and I'm going to be unfiltered. That is exactly defiance. That is my middle name. And surely that comes as a shock to yeah. to yeah, some yeah. folks. A lot, a lot of people. They don't. They, you know, another thing that maybe some Iranians have a problem with when they are met with something that they don't understand. Instead of being like, okay, let me have an open mind towards it and let me, you know, read about it more or kind of invite it in and learn about it. They just meet it with negativity, like right, right away, just no, like right, that's right, not right. right. So that's a lot of times a lot of people kind of react to my content or my podcasts like that. And I mean, I like, you know what I mean? Like I talk uh -huh. about sex and drugs and uh -huh. all that kind of stuff. So it's like, it makes sense. Now the orthodoxy would be to think this is generational. In other words, the older folks are going to get offended mm -hmm. and the younger generations are less offended. Is that true? Yes. Yes, that's, yes, yes. that's borne out. Yeah. So you don't have 25 year olds going, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, it's no, usually. No, no, yeah. Or like how we were talking right before the podcast, it's people who um, have either moved from Iran recently or um, still live in Iran. They're a little bit like, ooh, like, Sarah's fucking uh -huh. unhinged. <laughs> like, uh <-huh>. <laughs> so people who are in Iran listen to the podcast. They do and they love it. And they love it's it. crazy. But, yeah. uh, but one gets the impression that they're listening to it in the corner of a room quietly yes. with the volume down. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Even with my, <laughs> with my Instagram stories sometimes, like I'll get messages every day and they'll be like, I was listening to this in front of my mom. Like put some sort of trigger warning before we like watch right. your stories because... All of a sudden, like in the middle of your story, you're like, course. And like, <laughs> my mom's like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, but your mom's got to be used to it at this point. Oh, yeah. yeah my she's mom's not, super cool. There's yeah. no shock factor with Sahara no, and your no, mom. No. She's uh, used to it. Knowing a little bit about you as a kid, uh, which I'm going to ask you about. When did, when did you know you wanted to do the idea of Unfiltered? Um, I don't... I don't remember, honestly. I was just like, I should do a podcast. And then I just did it. Mm. I don't remember when. Um, I don't even know how many years I've been doing it. A year or two, maybe? You really don't. I, I really don't. You don't. I mean, you're part of your day part of what you do is you so you're a social media manager or, yeah. or a person who handles social media for various companies and yeah. clients out there. 
And you don't know how long you've been doing your, your podcast? Yeah, just that's with everything that I do. I never have like a set like schedule. Like I'm very organic in everything I do. Like if it happens, it happens. And that's maybe not that great. But like, Well, it's just- part of what I love about what you do because there's no sense of, and we'll get into this a bit later, but there's there's no sense that you're doing this to to get wealthy or, the, yeah. or for monetizing it or whatever. You're, it, it's, it, it's coming from the heart. I just do it for the culture. Interesting. Yeah. For which culture? Iranian culture, for sure. You do it for Iranian culture. Mm. For all the kids like me who grew up, you know, in Khorej mm-hmm. and Outside didn't have someone like me to listen to. Because um, one, one of the problems especially I've noticed in my family, again, I've never been to Iran. Um, neither has my, my sister was born here. My cousins were all born here as well. And what I've noticed is, and I used to be like this before I got a little bit more Persianized. Um, when you grow up here, you kind of reject your culture because the only things you're subjected to are very cringy, surface level, like Persian satellite TV kind of right, stuff. Right. So right. you reject it because you're like, oh, that's fob. And like yes. you'll hear all the kids saying it. Oh, like, I don't want to do that. Like, that's fob. Yes. So I want to be that person that they can look to and be inspired by and kind of be proud of their culture. Yes. Be like, oh, okay. Like, make Iran cool again. Yes. <laughs> like, you yes. know what I mean? Like, there's there's cool stuff about our culture that... I mean, I think there's different versions of that. Yeah, yeah, There's the, sure. the karate woman or the Farid Shafinuri, interesting yes. musician guy exactly. or whatever. There's different versions of people who are doing that. Yeah. Uh, I like to think we're doing a version of that with Rook, too. But but it, th- that isn't the... What you would describe as, I don't know, that... Um, that that older generation LA version of yes. of surface uh, level the, the ornate columns outside the house uh, yeah. and the uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well you're I mean mission accomplished to a certain extent yeah, yeah, yeah. in in terms of what you're doing it's funny when you talk about not being from Iran it was one of the first talking points that I wanted to get to with you because um, you you even call yourself a fob like fresh off the boat whitewashed a fob. whitewashed one I'll get into that <laughs> distinction but I mean. Dude, you know, like <laughs> you grew up in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Like my bag of peste from <laughs> Iran is has spent more time in Iran than you. You know. But if so, you look at it though, if you compare me to other kids who have grown up here, or who maybe even were born in Iran and moved here at a younger age, and I don't want to like come off as like, oh, I'm so much better. But mm. like, I'm a lot more Irani than them. I, I speak. But why are you Farsi. so? That's why I'm just to- so. I love being Irani, but I love the good parts of it. I hate. Uh-huh. I hate the bad parts of it, and I like will not hesitate to like shit on the bad parts. Mm-hmm. But I love the good parts, and the problem is that usually people will hear me venting about the bad parts and they'll mm. be like, Sarah only shits on her culture. But it's like, no, no, no. Okay, so I sidebar, promote, sidebar. Yeah. What are the good parts? Let's get those out of the way so people know you're not just shitting so on So many good artists that we have. And okay. we were talking about this before. Every time I find like a, a new Iranian artist, I promote the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. I discover so many people as well. Um, you knew, for example, Danny Asadi and yeah, After yeah. Hill before most of us did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you promoted them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like Chai too. She's a Iranian singer in New Zealand. She's amazing. And, okay. Um, yeah. So like our our art is really good. Um, our people are really good. Um, our people our, are really good. Yeah, they are. What do you What do you mean? Like 
How can I say this? <laughs> the same people you said are, are, are two-faced. Su- are you know. successful people. Like the people uh-huh. who are doing good things are good. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to say this to make it sound, um, to make it make but sense. But I mean, you grew up in Canada. You could be celebrating, you know, the good Canadian people, the yeah. Margaret Atwood and uh, I don't know, whatever. I'm Love so her. curious about how you have become, I mean, even hearing you talk <laughs> on your podcast, you're interviewing Rana Mansour, for example, and, and you know, she grew up in the States and you grew up in, in Canada, but you're throwing in Persian words and you're, you know, you're very Persian. Yes, I am. And I, People I mean, don't even, like when I tell them that I've never been to Iran, yeah. they're like, what? No, and <laughs> I get lying. the, I get the love for it i mean i get that i feel obviously i i feel the umbilical cord i'm doing a show about it yeah but you i mean i would have thought you came five years ago I from know, iran I and know. you just have a good a canadian accent yeah. or something <laughs> how yeah, do you exactly. think that happened again it's just my i think it's my mom um from a very young age she instilled just this pride of my culture and also i think when you go to school here you kind of want to assimilate and be like all the other kids. But for me, I can't, I guess it kind of goes back to that not giving a fuck and not wanting to be like everyone else. I was like, you know what? Me being Iranian and my culture is what makes me different from Ashley and Samantha and mm-hmm. Sarah. So I'm going to focus on that because that's mm-hmm. what makes me beautiful and that w- that's what makes me an amazing person. You so. enjoyed being different yes, as a kid. Yes, I love, I hate normalcy, just anything. Good for you. Normal, any, like if I see everyone doing something, I'm one of those people who will just walk the opposite way and be like, nope, not for me. Now, fresh off the boat fob mm-hmm. is usually, or it can be used as a, di- it can be used as a negative, a way of yeah, it depends saying on how something you negative use about it. Yeah, you yeah. kind of say it lovingly. No, it, you, because yeah, it's, 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 it's an endearing term if you use it. It really depends <laughs> on the context. Right. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm I'm proud to be a fop. So guess. so what? But, but um, even though you're not, I yeah. mean, you were fresh off the boat from yeah. Vancouver, I mm-hmm, guess, to mm-hmm. Toronto. But yeah. You, uh, so what is a whitewashed fob? I have the best of both worlds. So I have the good aspects of the Iranian culture, so the art, and um, you know the traditions and the celebrations and all in the history. But I don't have the bad things. So my whitewashedness is I'm not materialistic or I'm not overly judgmental or I don't care about what people think as much. You're not gayrati. Ex- I'm not right. gayrati at all. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't so, even know how to explain gayrati to people who are listening who don't speak Farsi. What? I'm, it's such a, I, I've only in recent years come to understand it myself. It's, yeah. it's so sophisticated. It is. And it weird, is. Yeah. you know. But I mean, Iranians Maybe it's like an inconsistent need to be validated by your partner that you're the only one for them. Right. Maybe. It's some version of jealousy Jealousy. slash possession slash affection. Weird affection. (laughs) Weird affection. (laughs) So you're not that. No, not at all. At all. So yeah. if you 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 could date a a Canadian guy, yeah. that's you're the whitewashed. But but would that be difficult for you because you're so yeah? Because you just can't relate on so many things. Because you're so Persian. Yes, exactly. I feel I always tell people this. I'm like I don't belong to either groups. I'm too whitewashed for the Iranians, mm. and I'm too Iranian for the white people. So I'm in this weird <laughs> purgatory like place. Right. I'm like a weird unicorn. 
<laughs> but you're not so, too whitewashed for the, the those who are loving you in Iran who are following you, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, to, yeah, to a certain extent. I Did you grow up around Persians? Um, my family, but like not. otherwise, it was Ashley and Jane yeah, and yeah, yeah. Thing. I mean, I went to like Farsi class. Oh, you did. I went. I Persian danced for like sixteen, seventeen years. You know, I saw somewhere in one of your bios something about a dance academy. And yeah, I, I had my own like dance. What academy. is that? You I started know, a dance I academy? <laughs> I was. I wasn't sure if that was a joke. No, because I, I, I dance. It's not part a, of the you I've gotten to know. I know. But. I know. A lot of people don't know because it's like. My life in Vancouver <laughs> that I like shed when I moved here. Um, but yeah, I started with Vancouver Pars National Ballet uh-huh. uh, at the age of four. I think I was like their youngest student. Um, and then I danced with them for like 10 years. And then I started my own dance academy. And then I At what age did you start your own dance academy? Uh, you, I mean, you like, only left there in your teens, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 16, 15, 16. Uh, what? Okay, that's pretty ambitious. Mm-hmm. How did it go? It was good. Yeah, we had a whole bunch of students. We performed so a lot wh- of places. So what happened to the dance academy? <sighs> I moved here and then <laughs> I just didn't have time because I don't know. I really don't know. It just kind of fizzled out. And when you move to a new place, it's just hard to like get to know the community. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of over it. I was like, Why yeah. did you move to Toronto? Um, I was initially supposed to go to law school. Oh, okay. U of T. But then mm-hmm. I dropped out. Excuse me. <laughs> You're having a reaction to I even am. saying the words law school. <laughs> yeah. <I> d- <laughs> <laughs> That's like, uh, <laughs> mom one has law school drop out. No, I know. You, yeah. As soon as you mentioned it, <laughs> they started coughing and you couldn't yeah. speak and you were, yeah. Yeah, I dropped out and uh-huh. I was like, But you stayed this. in Toronto. Yeah, I liked it because Vancouver is very laid back. It's very West Coast. Um, I mean, I miss going camping every weekend and hiking and stuff, but Toronto is very city life. So it's there's mm-hmm. a lot more opportunity here. There's a lot more people here, obviously, because it's bigger. Um, is the Persian community different in Vancouver compared to the one in Toronto? I mean, obviously it's smaller, but is it, yes. is it a different kind of Persian? It is <laughs> yeah. because Vancouver is a lot more expensive to live in. And I feel like... The Iranians there have been there for longer. Mm-hmm. So there's not as many newcomers. But mm-hmm. then in Toronto, there's a lot of a lot of newcomers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the reason if I, that, that I asked if you grew up with uh, Iranians is, or Persians is because your characters, I mean, you're very funny. Like it's uh, on, uh, if people haven't checked it out, they've got to check you out on YouTube or on your Instagram. Um or on your podcast, uh, and you some, you sometimes do these characters. You have this um, one sort of squeaky voiced uh, little girl <laughs> type character uh, who speaks in English and in Persian. Yeah. Uh, and I wondered if if is she inspired by somebody you knew? Where did she come from? No, I just you. You're talking about the filter with the big mouth. Yes. That's just whenever I want to rant or vent about something, I just use that filter so people know, like, oh, okay, she's uh huh. She's spitting so whenever shit. it's her, it, and is that character you? Yeah. It's yeah, just you. It's just me. But, but, it, but, but the, it's got a squeaky voice. It's because I don't wear makeup. And I just, I'm not that confident to go on social media with no, like without no filters. And then that just makes everything funnier, I feel like. But so can I just you do the it. voice or is that a... No, you, no, no. No, that's you've just, pitched that, the voice. It's, you've it's done, a filter on Snapchat. Oh, it's a filter. Yeah. I see. That's yeah, what yeah, you yeah. mean by filter. Yeah. I keep thinking of visual filters. No, oh, no, no, okay, no, no, okay, no. Okay, Like okay. actual, yeah, yeah, right, right, Snapchat right. filter. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you did that once and then you stuck yeah, with it. Yeah, it just makes it, yeah. 
Well, that's interesting because you believe in being unfiltered Mm -hmm. and ranting, Mm -hmm. and yet you're using a filter to rant. It's because I'm not confident to not have makeup on. Ah. You know what I mean? So if you don't. I wish I could. I mean, sometimes I do and I don't care, but like sometimes I just look really shit. So I'm like, and I need to say something. Uh So I'm like, And when the things that you opine about, the social commentary around Persian culture, <laughs> is that, do you have a list of things that no, is No, just it, whatever pisses me off that day. It comes up that day yeah. and you do it. I mean, yeah. some of this stuff is super <laughs> successful. Like it's, it you know, hundreds of thousands of views. Yeah. And it can be something that you, I mean, you don't even, do you script it? No, just You've right n- off the You fly. never script it. I don't script anything really. I just because it's very, it. it's it's like well-written. I mean, it's really? like a, yeah, nice. it's comedy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like somebody, you know, came up with an idea and. It's just me being me. You know what I mean? I just turn on the camera and I just speak. Like, I think even Instagram, the way it kind of blew up, I, I used to do this all the time, even when I was a kid. Um, and we had one of these like big ass camcorders back in the 90s. Yeah, you would make a little film. Yeah, or something, I would right? just be like, Mom, film me. And I would just stand in front of the camera and talk. Like, it's just, I've always done this. I just like. And you, sure. and the, uh, everybody always knew Sahar was the funny one. Yeah, they just. Yeah. Sahar Golshani. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you kind of have to be the, the funny one, it. though. You what? You have to be the funny one where you're like the only Iranian girl in the class and you have like a unibrow and a mustache. Like, you, like, <laughs> it's either be um, funny or die. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, I I know what it's like to not. I mean, there's this. I have dear friends and maybe even family members who yeah. weren't the funny one, who were just felt like the odd duck in the class, yeah. right? Uh, and you're lucky you had that, that yeah. gift of that that humor. Um, how do we walk the line between having fun with our culture and giving haters ammunition against Iranians? So when you're mm-hmm. when you're talking about something that frustrates you about being Iranian, do you ever wonder, you know, if a non-Iranian is watching this, if this is going to feed some sort of, you know, stereotype or something? Not really, because for every like rant or for every negative thing that I post, I post like three good things. So I don't really think about that ever. It doesn't really cross my mind. Do you, are there things that you want to say that you don't say because you think this is just going too far about Iranians? Never. No. No. I like that you even do that. Like somebody who's yeah. just come from Iran. <laughs> it's true though. And then and it's, you know, it's why I get into a lot of shit and why within Iranian media, I've been blacklisted. Kind Have of. you? Yeah. Everyone knows they're like, Sai has a liability. She's like too honest. Like uh. I've been passed up for, you know, um, certain shows or opportunities because they're like she's just she's too honest how do you know that Who, insider information insider. Yeah. you've been blacklisted by iranian media yeah like or the like, big networks you mean oh or yeah something. or like one of the one of my big videos that went viral a couple of years ago i did this whole two-part series where i called out uh radio javan oh uh, yeah and i was just like this is and because i have a lot of friends that are artists yeah so they're venting to me but they can't say anything yeah, about it yeah, right yeah it's this so unspoken I'm, kind of uh, exactly yeah, yeah. and then so i'm like you know what like this is bullshit so i just <laughs> did a whole video they responded with the stupidest response so i made another video mm. 
And then since then, people have just been like, so okay. they, so Radio Jamon felt the need to respond to you. Oh yeah, because they, got, they, they knew me. Like we, I knew know the owners and stuff from before. And what was the response? Just so random. Mm. Well, the, you don't want to get into it. Well, I mean, I you want to get I, back into the shit again? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, the the rant that I made was why do because okay, I, one thing I do on my Instagram is I'll go through music Iranian music videos yes. and I'll um. What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, my God. Comment. Yes, yeah. I will comment on them. Yeah. <laughs> um, roast them. There Ro- we go. Oh, roast them. All right, um, right, right. So I noticed that Radio Javon's artists, because um, they have like some artists that are under their own label, mm-hmm. and I noticed that some of their music videos are direct copies of Western music videos. So I'm th- the rant started with, why are we doing this you guys have such a big budget you guys have all the amenities and everything that you need Mm -hmm. to make amazing music videos why are you copying western Mm -hmm. music like what Mm -hmm. what why and then machine megan oh we have so much honar we have so much this bro like be original and then their response by the way some sometimes the music itself is derivative as well but anyway oh don't even get me started so (laughs) no i'm getting you started please (laughs) so then they reply and they're like well if we have the means to do it and if the quality is good enough it doesn't matter if it's a copy Mm -hmm. where did they say that would they make a statement or something no no you like Uh, whatsapp and i was like what so then i made another video These idiots don't know what they're talking about. Right, right. Yeah. So poor Radio Javon was twisting in the wind. Yeah, but I mean, it didn't, I mean, did it make a ripple? Yes, but it didn't really initiate big change. You didn't destroy them. No, of (laughs) course not. They're like this huge thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And then since then, it's, I mean, I've been invited to other Persian TV shows and stuff, but I kind of just like reject them all because it's not really my vibe and i know and like just watching these shows i'm like wow that's really cringe and really fake because like some of the people on that get invited to the shows i know Hmm. like it's funny when and i'm I'm sure you can attest to this because it's probably happened to you you'll see a celebrity on a show and you'll know the truth of who they actually are (laughs) but then you see what they're projecting on Mm -hmm. on tv and you're like oh this is gross (laughs) so yeah i mean it's sort of the business it is it is i don't i don't judge like that's the hustle but Mm -hmm. like at the same time it's not me i i right i physically can't be anything other than myself like Mm. i can't it so uh uh, so if if uh, if some big iranian network comes to you and says here you're working on a one-woman show, yeah. which I'm going to ask you about it later in the of interview. Course. But uh, but you know what? We're willing to give you 32 episodes, full funding. Let's do this and pay you a shitload of money. We just need you to soften the edges a little bit. I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it? No. I don't do anything for monetary gain. If it's not true to who I am and if, it's, if they want to censor me in any way, I can't. I just, I, yeah, defy. My brain just goes. <laughs> and you don't care what others think. Yeah. It's okay. This yeah. is part of what people really like about you, I guess. Well, it, see, they either really like it or uh-huh. they're like, they hate it because mm-hmm. they're like, uh-huh. like Sahar's unhinged and crazy and rude and da da da. And I'm honestly, if you actually listen to stuff I say, I'm never rude. People take what I say and they twist it 
because of their own negative mindset, mm-hmm. you know? Again, I also think, uh, I dare say, if you were, um, if you were doing a, a non-Iranian related um, project, a po- podcast or, you know, uh, I think you would, I think to a large extent, what you do would be considered just critical thinking. Yes. I mean, you know, it would be considered good. I yes. mean, it's, it's like, this is what people, exactly. film critics do this or, exactly. you know, what, and, and we don't in have our critics, culture, though. we don't have any. It's like how, I mean, there's in inherently nothing wrong with you saying here's what I think the dysfunction is with Radio Javon, this huge platform yeah. that is really great for a lot of artists and some others might find it challenging. Here's, I mean, but yeah. the fact that people would be afraid to have that kind of conversation mm-hmm. or blacklist you because you might yes. say those things is really about our culture, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or even, uh, you know, Persia's Got Talent. Y- yes. That show. Yes. I did reviews where I would watch and I put oh, them dear. on YouTube. You said something bad about Persia. <laughs> well, <laughs> kidding. Well, and <laughs> yeah. it's funny because... It's like I'm sure you remember video on trial back in the day, of course, yes. right? Yeah. Or just any any show where reaction shows. I mean, that's we have. There's so many. Although of that them. was comedy, that was for sure. Yeah, yeah so yeah. was mine. I'm never like disrespectful You're not seriously. or rude. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, no. I'm. Uh, it's just my reaction in the moment, and uh, and I'm generally a funny person, so my reactions are going to be funny or comedic. And so I did those. I did reaction to those and. I got into trouble with like so many people because they were like, I can't believe you said that or that's so disrespectful. And I'm like, I'm not saying anything bad. I'm yeah. just saying like funny comedic yeah. shit. You're just taking it in a in a negative way because you choose to do that. Yeah, this is a this is a whole new uh, this is has been something that I've learned over the last couple of years doing Rook too, because every once in a while somebody will say something, if not me, some one of our other people on the show will say something and uh, it'll cause all this these issues. Mm. Um, I noticed that this person didn't like me, and, and yeah. it's like they said something incredibly benign. And it is this. Um, uh, it's a. It's a, this highly sensitive cultural barrier yes. <laughs> that you're. You, if you cross it, you're. And you're. And it's interesting when you say we don't really have critics. It's, we don't. It, I've never really. Th- we don't about have that. a single person who critique stuff because we can't handle it you Uh say one thing and because people care about what other people think so much but if you kind of have that mindset that i was saying before where if you say you don't like my jacket that's cool that's your opinion you're allowed to have that opinion i should be strong enough to understand that it's not personal you just might not like red blazers whatever like it's has nothing by the way i like the jacket well, no, you, you know what i mean like it's it's you know doesn't matter as long as i like the jacket it shouldn't really matter what you think <laughs> and that's why that's why we don't have crit- critiques Cr- critics 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 yeah i mean there's me but yeah I, I get a lot of hate yeah a lot of love a lot of love but how does the uh, uh and, and how do these emotions <laughs> these manichaean love hate uh emotions express themselves what, what when you say uh i got into a lot of shit what did that what does that actually mean just people saying nasty things on social media or um no, no no not not people it's more people within the industry um again i'll be passed up for certain projects i'll be excluded um but that you don't want those projects 
I, mean, I don't exactly, you know, ex- but, you, but it's, you would have to be somebody who isn't yourself for sure. Yeah. But, but the problem is that a lot of times those people who are part of those projects are kind of like the gatekeepers of Iranian Western. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Content. Absolutely. Yeah. I that kind of makes sense. Saying. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the fact that I said Sahar Golshani and you corrected me is actually germane to a question I wanted to ask you because um, you actually believe, now you are critical of Iranians, but you're also critical of non-Iranians in terms of the way they interact with us. Mm -hmm. And one thing you believe is that non-Iranians should learn how to say our names correctly, for example. Yes. Uh, why, Why is that so important to you? I feel like if they can say, you know, Timothy Chalamet and... Daenerys Targaryen, <laughs> they can learn how to say Sahar and not Sahar. You know, so true. it's not that hard, and it's our fault. I don't even, I don't even put it on them. It's our fault for not correcting them and not having the confidence to correct them. And I think, you know, our parents when they were immigrants, they probably didn't have that confidence to be like, oh, actually, it's you know, Jila, not Jila. You know, right, like. Right. They didn't have the confidence, so they were like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, whatever you say, because they were just trying to survive. They yes. weren't trying to live. Yes. Now us, we're living, so we need to kind of reverse that and rewind and fix it. Yes. So, so. you actually call people out yeah, when they get your course, name wrong. Yeah, of course. And you don't use a Starbucks name, or you do? I do. You do. Who cares about Starbucks? Yeah. What Starbucks is the Starbucks name? Sarah. It's just easy. <laughs> Sarah. So, so you'll stop it. The barista yeah, can yeah, say yeah. whatever they want, yeah. but you know, in real society. Yeah. Uh, and do you feel like when you say it's our fault, it is a strange thing, isn't it? Where we, on the one hand, there's this superiority complex. Mm-hmm. We invented everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it all comes from us. We're the dominant culture, Sirus, whatever, you know. And on the other hand, uh, there's this deference to uh, Western society. I, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but. No, it's true. When we, the, sometimes at cultural events, I don't know if this happened in Vancouver or happens in LA or stuff, but I can tell you in Toronto, if there is like a local counselor, Somebody who's like meaningless, you know, quite frankly, who is somehow willing to turn up. They'll put this guy on stage. Oh my God, yeah. They'll be like, uh, now we have the yeah. counselor for beaches, uh, yeah, Escarborough, yeah. you want to, Mike like, Smith, no Mike Smith. Mubarak. Exactly. And he'll <laughs> so come up shitty, like, and he'll make it. some joke about, you know, uh, yeah. hey, I learned the, you know, it's exactly. That his secretary like told him to say like um, five minutes uh, before. hundred like, percent. He'll like, come up and up. say, uh, <laughs> hello everybody and no ruse, P yeah. ruse. Yeah, and everybody no. like, yeah, and the crowd goes crazy and. And exactly. I've never understood why we have to be so deferential. It's like, and there's no quid pro quo. It's like, like get something from these people, you know? They like, exactly. don't just let them on the stage. Exactly. But it's like, it really is this version of they like us. Mm-hmm. They like us. Okay. You know, so it's because we put Khadiji or like, I don't know. Khadiji is like, weird because we're the, you, the Iranians. Are, I always laugh when Iranians well, say, no, it's yeah, Khadiji. No, it's like, true though. Anyone who's not Iranian is a Khadiji, right? Because they're <laughs> yeah, an But outsider. it means foreigner, right? Yeah, so and they to, would be. Well, to call a, a, a Canadian in Canada foreigner. Well, whatever. Those, it, people, those we, people, we put yeah, them yeah. on a pedestal because even like in Iran, anything that's Khadiji is automatically, oh my God, so much better quality, so much better. And then when they move 
move here, it's like, oh, again, anything cottagey is must be better. Mm. But it's like, no, it's really not. But it's not. But it's not all things cottagey, is it? I mean, it it depends I on. Think so. Well, is it cottagey if you're talking about Bangladesh? No, I mean like right. like white. Cottagey means white. Like, yeah, white. Yeah, 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 yeah. White. <laughs> Canadian American, like we put it on a pedestal for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you, we, we've been talking about Persian parents and stuff. I want to, uh, first of all, you, you grew up religious, right? Yes. Like Muslim. Baha'i. Baha'i. Mm-hmm. Baha'i. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's right. Baha'i. I would fast, pray uh, every day, like fully religious. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And 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 what w- what happened to that? When did you give that up? I think I just, the older I got, the more hypocrisy I saw Mm. and the more I realized that religion divides more than it brings people together. Um, I also did shrooms and like, I was like, whoa, my mind is open. (laughs) And like, I just realized a lot of things and I, I just research and, and I just came to the realization that I, I don't know, I, it wasn't for me. Hmm. Um, I respect people who um, des- decide to believe in a religion, but it's not for me. And, and I came to this conclusion that I feel like all religions are cults. Oh. But... But you respect people who... Oh, no, for <laughs> sure. It's who just, are part of the cults? I, see, here's my theory. I feel like... All the religions that are like the big religions are from a long time ago. Mm. And that's when people didn't have as much access to information like they do now. So if a religion was going to start right now, all people would have to do is go on Google and research the guy a little bit. And they'd be like, (laughs) okay, well, that's a cult. You know what I mean? Back then there was no Google. So if someone like, you know, like said two or three nice things, it was like, wow. Fucking Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, so that I don't, that's my theory. But again, respect to anyone who believes in religion. Because I used to be a religious person. My Most of my family are still in that. But I just, I, that's that's my theory. I just, just be a good person. That's it. Uh, uh, it so if, if only the traditional religions had been created post-Google, yeah. you think that there would be, yeah. there'd be more fact-checking. Definitely. <laughs> there was no fact-checking back then. You know what I mean? Someone could come and be like, yeah, God told me this. And they'd be like, wow, really? For sure. Parenthetically, I must uh, share with you that I just learned, I feel like an idiot, but I, I just learned, do you know what the name of Jesus and Mo- Moses is in, uh, in Farsi, in Persian? Yeah, isn't it like Yahoo or something? Yahoo? No, it's so good. Masi, Hazrat Masi. No, ready? Oh, there's like another. Well, their the, the names are Isa. Oh yeah, yeah. And Musa. Oh okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Isa. I mean, I don't know why I find that so funny. <laughs> Isa and Musa. Yeah. I was like, are you sounds serious? Sounds like a rap group. It's it sounds like a buddy comedy, you know, like <laughs> or, or the start of a joke. Or Isa and Musa walk into a bar. Yeah, I mean, I was I, really these are their names. I don't know why I didn't know. I mean, I guess I've yeah. always heard. Hope Jesus Raftebud, you know, I never heard that. Like, uh, yeah, or something, or yeah, or the the official name like Pekhamad, the prophet, you know, whatever. But I, I, but Isa and Musa, I just think it's like, uh, it's like a sketch on, yeah. you know, That's funny. it's like an SNL, you know. Are you religious? No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. But I mean, uh, 
with with the billing of Isa and Musa, I'm willing to follow the two of them to <laughs> to the end of the world. No, I mean I grew up. We, we were a Muslim family, but yeah, I, not I mean, like practicing. No, right? yeah, no, like most no. Iranians, they're like Muslim by y- name. Yeah, yeah. Man. I mean, actually, to be honest, politically, I was very, very uh, anti-religion <laughs> for mm-hmm. in my in my teens and in my early twenties, and then I started to realize that there's a lot of people doing really great things mm-hmm. in the name of their religion you oh, know for sure, and, for sure. and and so who am i to go i can't believe you're building a house for someone you know oh you, you were Chris, one of those well i was just really against organized okay. religion because i thought it was the thing that started all the wars and you know right uh but uh, you know then you start to realize there's people doing yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether it's even in iran we're everywhere mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, i mean it's mm-hmm. not it's not only bad right yeah uh so um, so let me let me uh, get into something, which is this um, on Unfiltered, your podcast. Uh, you did a, an episode about three or four months ago called "My Dark Past," mm-hmm. and um, it, it is a. I mean, it, it's not just unfiltered; it's very raw, uh, and it is a um, retell or telling of your childhood. And um, a very, very difficult situation that you went through, um, especially with your father. Mm-hmm. I have to say before even uh, getting into this that I recommend it's difficult, uh, you know, uh, and, and trigger warnings, et cetera. But I do think people should listen to this. Um, it is incredibly powerful. I texted you, I think, after yeah. it and, and said, I mean, it is, as a person who's been in media and sort of broadcasting and all that for years, I I think it is it is a, a really outstanding just piece of audio of somebody being so authentic and mm-hmm. and real. It, 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 there's no moment where I feel like you've got an agenda or you're sort of uh, embellishing <laughs> anything. I mean, it's just you telling your story. Um, so uh, if it's okay, I want to ask you a bit about that. Of course. Can I just say first, uh, yeah. that's the best compliment I could ever hear from anyone is that I'm authentic and that I'm just being real. I love hearing that. That's I love that. Okay. Well, um, you deserve oh, that. Now, you. now you're. I don't even know. I mean, you're in your twenties. You're in your thirties or something. Yeah, uh, something how old like that. Do you that. think I am? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 well, you don't care what people think. So, uh, I mean, what what is it? What age cohort are you in? I'm thirty. You're thirty. You're thirty. Yeah, nineteen ninety. Right. So you so you went <laughs> through uh, twenty nine years of your life or thirty years of your life not publicly telling the story this story the way you have told it yeah, yeah, yeah. so i uh, first of all what inspired you to lay this all out there the way you did i think it's just being a social media personality for the past gosh i don't even know maybe like 10 years and having you know a following who's been following me for all those 10 years i realized that there's a lot of wrong assumptions about me um and I realize that a lot of people think that I'm some like rich girl who grew up in in Canada with like rich parents and has had everything perfect. And I was like, I need to set the record straight and let people know that that's not the case. Mm. Um, And then also, again, social media, just in general, everyone's just showing their perfect moments. Everyone's always just curating like this perfection and giving off this false narrative of their lives and it's it's so bad for the younger generation because 
they are striving to attain something that isn't even real. So I thought, you know, how can I um, kind of reverse that? And, th- and I have that mindset with everything that I do. That's why mm-hmm. I'm always like, I want to be unfiltered. I want to be raw. I want to be authentic because there's so much fakeness. So I was like, you know what? I realized that this is a topic that no one's talked about. Um, you know, getting abused by someone in your family and going through all this crazy and hard sh- shit essentially um i need to talk about it because there's probably a lot of other girls or guys or whatever gender that are going through this but don't have someone that can inspire them Mm -hmm. to talk about it because again in our in our culture we don't talk about mental health Mm -hmm. we don't talk about you know abuse we don't talk about any of this kind of child abuse and emotional Mm -hmm. terrorism uh, that your father presided over Mm -hmm. and when you recorded that, uh, did you did you know exactly what you were going to say? I never know. <laughs> I just turn because it, it on. It and sounds very visceral. I mean, there's moments where you even stop speaking because yeah. it's overwhelming you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I mean, can you can you talk a bit about what your what what it was like growing up with your yeah. your dad? I mean, hmm. it was. It's funny because now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, what an asshole. But like, it was, it was hard. It was, I, he was very physically abusive towards me and my mother. Um, You know, it, there was points where he actually went to jail a couple of times because of the stuff that he would do to us. And it just made me not have as much confidence when I was a, when I was a kid. and I think one of the reasons why I have this like crazy, I don't give a fuck boss bitch attitude now mm-hmm. is because of that. I don't know if I'm trying to like overcompensate maybe for the confidence that I didn't have mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I don't really know, but um, it was tough. It was tough growing up. Well, first of all, up. he left you guys, right? Yes, yes, yes. He yes. left you. Well, my parents got divorced when I was 10. Uh-huh. Um, there was, Didn't he leave before that once? And uh, He did. He did. Um, but it, like it would just my mom would be like, oh, no. Well, like, you know, typical Persian um, mindset where it's like, no, he's the father of my children. Mm. Like, let me just try and fix things. Um, and then her, my mom's family was, you know, divorce is just such a taboo thing. It's like, no, like, why would you want to get divorced? Mm-hmm. Ruin the family. Um, so she really tried, but it just didn't work because he was just not a good person. And, mm-hmm. um, he had a lot of internal demons, I guess, that he was dealing with because his father was also pretty much the same, mm-hmm. same characteristics, same, same, you know, mental state. So it kind of trickled down to him. And, and after the divorce, he doesn't pay, he's supposed no. to pay child support. He doesn't do that. Yeah. He doesn't do that. It was just you know just emotionally you know the the physical abuse might have stopped but the emotional abuse just continued because and i guess this happens to a lot of kids who whose parents divorce the parents are at it with each other so then what my dad was doing was like doing things on purpose to us to piss my mom off mm. not realizing that it's detrimental to our mental health and you know our well-being mm. Um, so that happens a lot in a lot of divorces. I mean, it, this definitely wasn't the only case um, where parents use the kids as kind of like a tool to get at each other. Mm. So that happened a lot. Um, 
and then as as I got older, I just realized that I didn't want to have contact with him anymore because, you know, the older you get, the kind of more knowledge you have, the more self-aware you become. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, this is not serving me any, any good. Um, and so I just cut all ties and haven't talked to him for a long time. Mm. Uh, yeah. And how does that feel? It's weird because... Now that I'm older, I've kind of started thinking maybe I should confront him and, you know, have a face-to-face talk with him just to understand his mindset. Like, mm-hmm. why did you do those things? Why, what was your mental state in at that moment? Mm-hmm. Um, Over a period of years. Yeah. Like, what, w- what was going on with you, yeah. you know? Why did you do these things? And then after that, just be like, do you understand what your actions did because you know obviously he doesn't know you know the full scope of you know how i was feeling or how um it affected me so i want him to know i want him to understand all these things you know we don't we really don't talk that much about what happens in persian families Mm -hmm. and and with with the way kids are treated and and, yeah in our family it's it i mean i guess it's considered something that we're not supposed to talk about exactly it's one of those topics so what kind of response did you get when you put that out there oh my god it was crazy so many girls so many girls um were messaging me and sharing their stories with me which i'm so thankful for and i'm i'm so happy that you know they trusted me enough to share their deepest darkest secrets but just reading all of them too was just so heavy. Yeah. So I had to like step aside every, you know, now and then just to be like, okay, like I need a break. And then I was like, wow, how do psychologists do it? Because it's crazy like to take on that much baggage from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I, at the same time, I'm kind of used to it too because I have, the, it's this weird thing that I have and I ask my friend about it we were actually talking about this the other day i was like i don't get why sometimes i'll meet someone for the first time and then within an hour we're in a corner and they're telling me like their life story and like they're just telling me everything and she's like you know what sir it's because you make it okay to have problems you're so like just real and you're just so like normal about it and you're so upfront uh, and you don't hide anything that other people feel comfortable sharing their problems with you because Mm. you know that they know that you won't judge them Mm. i'm like oh that kind of makes sense that's true i mean it's hard for me to think that anybody would listen to that and (coughs) and take issue but but did you get any response from people saying in persian families we shouldn't talk about this Uh, you know the maybe your parents had reasons for the way your dad had to treat his kids or you know no the only the only um messages i got that i was just like was but he's your dad and i'm like meaning what do you think just you know just oh no like you're supposed to forgive him you should forgive him like you should talk to him he's your dad and i'm like no like if you're not an actual father if you don't what what constitutes being a father put that checklist out my dad checked off none of those things so he's not a father you can't use that excuse so uh, those, those were the only, I would say, negative messages I got. Everything else was super positive, and people were really it, it, happy. It went viral too. I mean, yeah. it was a very uh, 
um, yeah, that a big episode, episode for got you. Kind of put you on the map for so some people. Many, yeah. Did you, did you tell your mom that you were going to do that beforehand? No, I don't even think she listens to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't she, you mean she don't know she, that I don't you even did? think she knows she oh, okay <laughs> really yeah I don't think she I don't think she would mind though my mom's very west coast hippie like peace love kind of thing she she'd be okay she, with yeah, it yeah she I, and I'm guessing that she's not in touch with your dad then no 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 not at all yeah. And plus, like, any time I do crazy stuff, like, she just has this thing. She's like, Saharadiya. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a pretty big one, you know, yeah. to, talking about the, the family yeah, uh, yeah. legacy. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and what about extended family? Do people follow you? Like, uh, do you have family in Iran that are aware uh, of your... I have, like, second cousins, but, uh. like, I've never talked to them. One of the reasons why people always ask me why you've never been to Iran, one of the reasons why is because everyone's here. I mm. literally don't have anyone in Iran. Usually people go back to Iran to visit a grandma, an uncle, an aunt, but right. everyone's here. So that's kind of why I've never been. Um, do you want to go? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like my dream to go. I I always tell people, I'm like, I can't even in my head comprehend that there's a place on this planet where everyone around you is Iranian. They're speaking Farsi. Like, I can't even imagine that. That's why when I go to like things like Tirgon or I go to like Super Horak, I'm like, whoa, like, is this this what it feels like? I know. I feel like I have the exact same feeling. That it would be crazy. Yeah, like yeah. everywhere you're going, people would be, and you'd be the person who doesn't <laughs> yeah. speak. You know, it'd be like a yeah, uh, or or isn't as adept with the yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah. I I wonder if it would feel if I guess the big question for me. I mean, I was there once when I was like the, they took me there. I was, I was a five, you know, oh, but it doesn't, doesn't really count. count. Yeah, and uh, or uh, and once when I was two, but but uh, um, I always wonder if it'll feel like. I like if I would land there and go, wow, I'm home, you know, on some level, or whether I, think I would. It would, especially I, I'm, I'm torque, right? So I feel like if I go to Tabriz one day, I will literally have a heart attack from happiness because it's just like my people. <laughs> Like, <laughs> don't set up expectations though because no, no, you know you I might know, go there and get sorely disappointed. Mm-mm, it's happened. Mm-mm. There's it's no happened way. Where There's people no are disappointed. Way. No, I refuse. You're very. Um, you're a very strong person. Mm-hmm. And you know you're <laughs> yes. a strong person. Yeah. yeah. Very strong. Do, do you think that everything you went through with your dad and all of that is part of the reason why <laughs> you built this mm-hmm. armor? I think that it's part of it for sure. But again, like since I was a kid, I was always like this kind of. Um, I was very much danced to the beat of my own drum all the time so yeah it's a little combination of the two do you, have you been through <coughs> counseling in terms of what yeah I, I have a therapist you have a therapist yes, okay yes, yes. Uh, i think everyone has to have a therapist. i believe that as well yeah I, if you I, don't have a therapist, i was asking you gingerly because <laughs> yeah. those who've never had therapy mm-hmm. still especially persians oh my God. and there's a prominent Persian who I recently said you know, by the way I think you you know yeah. you should see a therapist yeah. and she got so upset at me as if I was saying and she, oh you think I'm damaged and I'm like well if you're damaged then we're all I've damaged. been damaged for the last 30 years because yeah. I've been seeing a therapist yeah, for yeah, yeah. you know I mean that's uh, I, I certainly think it's I think it's a prerequisite mm-hmm. but but um, 
if I say you get triggered by things, you're going to say, no, I'm a strong person that don't get triggered, right? Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See? <laughs> but, you know, when you were talking about your dad and, you know, that uh, your your childhood and, and um, what I call terrorism, you know, you, I mean, you were breaking down in that. So, so it, but it, if it, you, if you pay attention, I break down at the points where I'm talking about my mom mm. because I know that she's not strong. And that's what makes me break down because I'm like, oh, she's not as strong as I am. So she took a lot of, she took a bigger hit on her mental health. Mm. If you go back and listen, mm. that's it's just interesting. Those parts. I will. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, I mean, on some level, do you, do you worry that there's going to be some moment like you, when you hit 50 or something <laughs> and you go, oh my God, I'm in freak out because of things so you've what? been through? Oh. All right. Yeah. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to will it to happen. Yeah. I'm so happy that you're as. I'm. I'm actually jealous that you're as uh, strong as you are. It's. Mm-hmm. It's. It's very powerful mm-hmm. to, um, like you know yourself. Yeah. You know yourself, and that's why you're able to say things about things. Yeah. And uh, and then you get into some trouble, but you're. You're not doing them, even whether it's Radio Javon or or Persian families. You're not saying these things in a malevolent way. Exactly. You're not I'm saying never it doing, to attack yeah. someone. Exactly. You're just being. Have you seen Whiplash, the of movie? Course, yeah. Okay, I'm like the the drummer. The, no, oh. the the what the, the teacher? conductor? Yes. Oh. Or like I'm giving you tough love because I want you to be the best. Like if mm. Iranians are the best, mm. then okay, let's coach you into being the best. Like right, if that's what right, you want right. to do, because right now you're not the best. <laughs> like mm. in any way. So that's that's how I deal with things that I uh, critique. Where does being a clothing designer fit into all this i know right (laughs) (laughs) um so when i first started getting really big on instagram and social media um i noticed that a lot of people you know they'll do merch (laughs) and it's just like so cringe because they'll put like their name and like it's just so uh, settle down it's a way to make you know supplement know, income that okay, a lot of that, artists no, and no. others don't have in other ways that's so. fine but be creative about it don't just put your name on something <laughs> and be like where my t-shirt with my name like that's so self-centered so I was what like, about an owl was is an owl okay drake. <laughs> is drake all right yeah because he's he literally is like representing a city and right. whatever like it's not his face you know what i mean um and then, so I was thinking, you know, how can I, cause I don't, on my social media, I never do ads. I never take money to talk about something. Hmm. Um, and if you want me to talk about something and if I truly believe in it, I'll do it for free because it's, if you win, I win. Hmm. Um, Why don't you take money? I just don't believe in taking money to promote something that I don't genuinely believe in. Ah. If I believe in it, and you're like, you know, you have a good pitch, sure, but it's never happened. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> okay. So there is, yeah. If it's a product that you like, if I will actually and they were gonna, use it, and they give you money, yeah, you'll yeah. take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Or like recently, I did the only kind of paid promotion, but I did it on my own terms. Um, so there's this like dating app called Shaytoon. And oh. they contacted me. It's like a Persian dating. I was like Persian Clearly, dinner. yes. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, can you can you do a promo for us? And I was like, you know what? I'm I'm never going to use that app. Okay. 
But what I will do um, to promote it is I'll go through your app and I'll rate your guys on to, out of one to five. <laughs> so I did that. How dare you? I know. Yeah. <laughs> and in the end, they made me censor Were there the any fives? Faces. Oh, there was one five. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. Um, <laughs> well, how did we even get to this? You, you were Weird talking about not tangent. taking money. Right. Except from Shay Toon. Yes. Yeah. So that was the only time I did like a, an ad if you can call it an ad. Um, so wait, they paid you yeah. to rate the men on Shaytoon? Yes, I did a whole YouTube video. It's quite funny. But again, at the end, they made me censor it because they were like, I don't think it's okay to have their faces. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I don't do ads. And I was like, you know, how can I make some sort of money off of... Yeah. So I, you know what? I, it it's, wasn't your even, jo- it's a job. I mean, look, I... I lament the fact that social media has become seen as a business for so many that it it governs what you know the discourse right but but uh, i mean you're creating content yeah the content i believe should be worth something Mm -hmm. in the absence of copyright or publishing royalties for instagram at least you know you can sort of get that on youtube and maybe spotify some streaming money and things like that Mm -hmm. but I mean, if you were to monetize it by, do you get offers from companies to advertise or print? Not really, no. no. People are scared. There's, honestly, they are. <laughs> honestly. Um, They're like, what if she puts me on an episode <laughs> where she's ranting about something? And it's funny because it, I did a podcast with um, Airfon and his podcast just lately. And Yaya, his co-host, was saying, You're, you've kind of been known as this purveyor of like, what is good and what is you know hip within the Persian mm. community, and he's like, yeah, I think a lot of people are are scared of you, and you know you have kind of like a, a if Sahara proves it, you know if it's is it Sahara approved? <laughs> um, but going back to Chalads, I actually now that I think of it, I never even thought about the monetary gain. It was kind of just like, hey, and it started with hats. I was like, hey, I see all these other Persian designers that are killing it amazing but none of them are really stuff that resonates me who grew up here Mm. um where's that brand that is more like streetwear more young you know like the younger generation kind of resonates with it and I resonate with it Mm. and it literally just started with three or four hats that I made for myself. Mm. And then I just posted on Instagram and then people were like, oh my God, I want this. And I was like, hey, I think I got <laughs> something here. So then it just kind of kept on expanding. And then I did t-shirts, um, jean jackets, and it just, the list keeps on going on. And and it's done really well. And I think it's, it's done really well because there's been no other competition, you know? Um, we're kind of the only Iranian streetwear brand that, has our type of designs Hmm. um yeah because everything else out there is very like classy for lack of better terms and just like very like persian calligraphy and and very very persian but ours is more like for example we have a sweatshirt that's kologarmezi you know, you know that character. Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we did him, but what if he? So was, how do you know him? Because I watched his movies when I was a kid. But how did you in Vancouver? Yeah. 
See, this is so weird to me. <laughs> See, the, I, I've only learned those things from people like Shia telling really? me what, you know, back in Iran. No, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was the first uh, Persian movie I ever saw in theaters. They brought it to Vancouver and my mom took us. And I was like, <laughs> wow. I actually have his dolls in my house. I'm obsessed. Anyway, so we did we did a shirt with him and his sidekick, Pesar Khale, mm-hmm. um, but reimagined as SoundCloud rappers. So they have like face tats and he's wearing like a Gucci jumpsuit. (laughs) So it's very like taking Iranian stuff, but giving it like a modern streetwear twist. Or we'll have like a hat that says, you know, what the fuck? Or we'll have a t-shirt that has Buddha on it. And then it says, go nabosh. You know, Buddha. Like, yeah, stuff like just weird stuff like that. That's cool. Where do you? Uh, and by the way, let's do a product placement right now. Where can people <laughs> find your your merch, your material, your uh, clothing? So our website www.chaladsdesign.com. Um, yeah, Chalads. <laughs> it's a weird one. It's C H A L A D Z. Right, yes. Chalads. I didn't even know how to say it. Yeah. No. Do you want to know where the name came from? Please. Okay. So. Um, when we wanted to go smoke weed (laughs) is this when you were not becoming a Baha'i anymore or was that the mushrooms so much of your decisions in life have been governed by what drug you've done yes honestly Um, so Chalads was our like nickname or code word for going to smoke weed and one day when we had chalads, you just made it up yeah it okay. was just just like a word we were like, whatever chalads. let's go chalads man <laughs> so one day when we had chalads <laughs> um we were that's when we thought <laughs> of it a verb too sure yeah to chalads yeah um, to chalads yeah to chalads <laughs> we just thought of it we were like hey we should make clothing and then we did and we were like what should we call it <gasps> chalads it's great it's great it's a great uh, inside joke no longer now everyone yeah, knows the yeah, story yeah. behind also because uh, our designs you need a sick mind <laughs> so we were like okay it makes sense uh you should sell some weed along with it to really for you know people i mean it's could legal enjoy. now i could yeah, you could <laughs> right where do saffron where do you, infused weed. speaking of which that's right yeah. <laughs> do we have that is i don't that know a, is that possible that's what you should do that persian infused weed that'd be cool yeah um where where do you want to take all of this? I mean what's the what's the Sahara Gulshani? <laughs> it's exhausting. Where's the where's the what is the what is the teenage girl dream of of where you want to take all of what you do? Um So I did stand up a couple times. Um and I realized that it wasn't for me. Mhm. Um, because you need to know Sahar to find Sahar, to understand Sahar, if that kind of makes sense. Uh, because, see, the first stand-up show I did, the audience knew me. They loved it. It was awesome. And then I started doing other gigs where I was, you know, flown out to other places in America to do these, like, banquet gala kind of things. And, like, you know, like, I have this joke mm-hmm. where... I'm like, yeah, you know, it's it's really cool how I, my Farsi is really good. I'm so glad that I'm not like Salam, Man, Halam, Khubet, like with like kids like that. And it's funny how kids who grow up here can't say Kh correctly. So my cousin one time was like, oh, 
um, I went up to him and I'm like, Aria, Rafti Doctor Chishod. And he's like, Oh, Raftam Doctor Kundadam. And then I, for a girl to say that, people were like, What the fuck? And it's it's so bad because it, I feel like in stand up, all the, all the stand up com- comedians, Iranians, they're all men. There's no girl ones. There's a, I mean, there's a uh, Melissa Shoshahi. There's a couple of uh, up and comers, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but not, like, not really. Yeah, the big names really. are all. Uh, yeah, they're all yeah, men, yeah, yes, and and yeah. even the the girls, they're not really doing a lot of Iranian content because they know that they're going to be hit with that negative backlash because you mean you think that Max Amini could make that joke and everybody would laugh? Of course, right? Of course, because and but you couldn't. I'll tell you later. But anyways. Oh. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> off the well, record. It's not so um, unfiltered. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Filtered I mean, all of a sudden. I mean, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he definitely could. I've, I've had, you know, experiences where I've heard him say a joke and... Okay, you know what? Fuck it. I opened for Max <laughs> once. Okay. And I said this joke. And that, that, that one? Yes. The and he hoon, actually. Hoon joke? Yeah. And yeah. then he actually told me later, he was like, and I, and I swear a lot. Like, I swear a lot mm. in my sets because that's mm. just, I don't know who I am. That's how I talk. And a lot of Iranians don't understand that, like, having a potty mouth is not the same as being, like, a rude person, a bad or, or person. not, or yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. you can say fuck, but, you know, like, or how I, this is how I, Tell, say it to some people I'm like politicians don't swear are they good people mm. think of it that way um, so anyways I opened for him you know during his set he was making all these jokes about hookers and his dick and doodle and stuff like that and no one said anything but for me it's saying you know swearing and stuff he later told me he was like I got so many emails of people being like what the hell like <laughs> you know complaining and stuff and I was like yeah it's, this is not for me maybe um, so Going back to your question, um, I'm working on... By the way, that wasn't a bad story about Maximini. He told you what the audience was saying. Or is this something you're leaving out? <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to get further blacklisted. But, but, but <laughs> the damage is done, honey. <laughs> no, but, uh, but you know what's interesting is, I wonder, It's I think it's again the... Um, the keeping up appearances thing because but Persians do swear yeah, and Persian women swear yeah. everybody swears yeah. right but it's like something about Yani Rafti to you on the stage but at, it's at a, a girl though at a gala a girl uh, yeah I guess I don't know if that that that's the being a girl big difference yes mm. dude there's so much misogyny yeah so much like we mm. think we've come a long way but we've barely even hit the tip of the iceberg so yeah, I realize that's not maybe for me um, just because there's no way I can change it. You know, it's not going to change mm-hmm. overnight mm-hmm. and I don't have that time to wait and, mm-hmm. you know, advocate for that. But I was like, instead, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to write my own show and tour with that instead. So what's our, what is our status on the one woman show? It's still in writing. It's still in uh, the first stages of it. Um but it's going to be different because I always joke to my friends. I say my mom was the original YouTube vlogger. I have an upwards of 50, 60 VHS tapes <laughs> of my entire childhood. Mm. And so what I've done is it's kind of going to be 
like interactive where it's like a TED talk, I guess you could say, where it's going to be very visual. So most comedians go up there and they're just alone with a microphone. I'm going to be alone with a microphone, but with also a screen. So if I make a joke, I can also reference to that exact right, moment right. of my life. And the whole show is called Growing Up in Cottage. And it kind of, you know, goes throughout all the things that I did when I was a kid and how I got to where I am now with all the visual proof. That's great. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it is a version of stand-up. It's just it it, is. you're doing, you know, because I was thinking, I think you're wrong about the stand-up thing. I think no. you, no, no, but you have a, you have a big following. So mm. I think if you went and did your own show, yeah. maybe at a small comedy club yeah. to begin with, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if in LA, in Vancouver, in the hot spots where the Persians are, in DC. That's what I'm saying. It would have and, to be my own show. Yeah, and your audience comes and yeah. they know what they're expecting. That's exactly what well, I'm saying. Well, that's like an indie band, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, the indie band opens up for the Eagles and everybody goes, go to hell, we hate you. Exactly, you know, it's the same exactly, thing. Exactly. So you got to just find your yeah. your people. Yeah. Your, That's your why I'm like, people. I can't be like a stand-up comedian because part of being a stand-up comedian is going to different, you know, gigs and reading the crowd and I kind of playing so. yeah. to that crowd. Yeah, yeah. I can't play Open to any crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I need to play to my crowd because that's the only thing I know how to do. Uh, you're so easy to talk to. Thanks. You are, um, what's the word? How about unfiltered? No. <laughs> uh, it, it, it really is a, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the program. I, uh, especially now that I know that there's all these other programs you won't go on because yeah. they'll make you uh, <laughs> jump yeah. through hoops or something. I, uh, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the time you've given us and your candor. It means a lot. Thank, Thank you, you for, for doing me. this. And uh, I hope you come back. I hope you invite me back. 100%. 100%. But you know, we got some feedback from the audience that you need to swear less. Oh, yeah. Well, oops. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but joking. I love you guys, but also. <sighs> it's great to have you here. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Sahar <laughs> an Iranian-Canadian uh, comedian, social commentator. Her podcast, which you must check out, is called Unfiltered. Sahar Gulshani joined us live in the Rook studio today. Captain Reza, Groovy Shayaki, and of course, yeah, knocking things over as you walk back in. <laughs> How about that? Wow. I really, yeah, you guys were listening, right? Across the, of on the other side. Yeah, I loved that. I really enjoyed talking to her. Amazing. What a, what a journey that interview was Amazing. from, uh, from having some fun. First of all, getting schooled on her name, <laughs> Golshani. <laughs> To, right. uh, to I mean her insights it was very much very a lot of fun and then yeah. um, and then th- I mean she is she, I, I really appreciate yeah. the honesty mm. uh, talking about her family talking about um, some really serious issues uh, mm. um, oh, what a true pleasure it was yeah. to have her here yeah. such a balanced and, and and strong woman she is like honestly what the, the things that she's been through and she's been able to channel all of 
that and find humor in everything. Yeah. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. I really admire people like her. Mm. I really admire people like mm. her. I don't think I know. I've never met any Iranian female for sure that is as rook as her. Because I, like her, I always feel like I always have to hold back. Like, as rook as her. Right, right, you know, right. like, like, you have to be a proper lady, so to speak. Right. Um, you guys just addressed everything wrong with our culture <laughs> in the last yeah. hour or so. Yeah. From, we did it, we know, did it. <laughs> from caring too much to family issues. And by the way, I love how you mentioned, oh, some one of our team members, you know, has made some comments uh, and they're usually benign. <laughs> I, was I, can, like, yeah, I could neither <laughs> confirm nor deny who I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, it's so true. Like you can never, like no matter what you say, you'll always offend. I, I loved that. I loved that part where we were talking yeah. about, um, uh, you know, the fact that there's no culture mm. of criticism. Right. I mean, it, it should be okay. Yeah. To constructively exactly. criticize something yeah. but even on an interpersonal level i've yeah. found with uh, with fellow iranians that if you you know and even when the person's like protesting no 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 please tell me what was it? and you go okay well i think that you know then they never speak to you again right. i mean they it's like it personally yeah it's yeah. a full-on that's the, the yeah. weirdest thing i never quite could put my finger on it i didn't realize it till you guys brought it up i was like yeah. you're so fucking right like yeah. why is it that Nothing. We can't. You have to hold back always. Yeah. You have to be careful and yeah. And it's shy. It, like there's no. I mean, your dad worked in film and stuff. There's there's really no such thing as like film criticism or. Um, or actually, yes, there is some film critics critics in Iran, uh, but uh, always they are fighting. Which I mean, we don't have a to 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 tolerance tolerance to yeah. listen to each other. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. We don't have it. Yeah. I, I, What's, uh, how did, like, uh, tell me culturally, how did we become that way? Not we, but, you know, how did Persians yeah. become this way? Everyone with the exception of you and <laughs> I, Keon. <laughs> I, I mean, I care a little bit, uh, but, you know. <laughs> well, uh, for, there's a myriad reasons. I mean, she, and she brought up some of them, right? Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. we as we discuss, you know, everything from the superiority superiority complex mm. to the inferiority the complex. The I mean, we, yeah. When you're, exactly, the, this, this, shoot for this expectation of perfection i mean you see it in the quite frankly in the way uh iranians on the outside need mm -hmm. to you know fix their bodies or do whatever mm -hmm. we're yeah. need to do to to attain some unachievable yeah. goal of of perfection and, and beauty and it's it's like a disease we have, yeah. you know, that you infects every part of us <laughs> you of course I'll have you know i am natural you are natural right Yes. Oh. Yeah, yes. Well, you look. Oh, yes. You, yes. Yes. I did you have? Uh, did you amal your nose? <laughs> you did, right? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I just, okay. I'm not you just saying Reza. this. I'm not just saying. I, I had a broken did. nose. <laughs> I'm, since I'm serious. I am serious. I have to, no, no, no. Seriously, I have two. We've heard okay. this before. No, 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 no. This is true. Ninety four percent of women in Iran have a nose job, okay, and all of them had a broken <laughs> nose. But no, let me tell you, I have two brothers, and since I was a child, I was like their experiment, and I remember oh. vividly. My older brother's like, "Hey, Kian, can I try?" I was like, "Okay," adoringly. He punched me in the nose. Oh so I've had a broken nose. <laughs> and it since gave I was you like occasion occasion to have a surgery and have a perfect yes, nose. The, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, you and Reza with your I, nose surgery. I never had a nose. 
closed shop. Okay. I don't understand. All right. No He's problem. Lying. He's, He's when so are you going to come out of the closet yeah. on that? Oh my god. You have oh, had a nose great. job yeah. and it's sort of very god, yeah. I never did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Never but other did. than the nose, I the fixate the fixing of the nose, I am natural. Right. I'll have everybody know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought both are natural, but mine is natural. No, no, Gianni's no. making stuff up. No, it's not. it's not. We've talked about this. I'll show you. My nose was literally just crooked from being broken. But Shia and I, the, uh, the good thing about us, Shia, is that no one would look at us and think we've had a nose job. <laughs> that's right. That's the, that's the good. That's the good news. Uh, the bad news is they look at us and go, you, "Maybe you should get a nose job." Yeah. That's right. این چیه این دماغ رو یه کمی جلوی خودت بگیر <laughs> it was like a summer vacation and my mom like my, my mom my aunts my whole life they're like Azizam bad you know it's like a rite of passage it is and, it is and I like I, I was so against it she was like just go to the appointment and I did and the doctor did x-rays like Azizam your nose is broken and I was like shit no, no listen there's no you're absolutely right yeah. the, the nose thing we, we can't even consider that whether you're natural or not <laughs> otherwise because that's a pass right. everybody <laughs> that's a we, that's a, a that's something we do yeah, yeah. That's but uh that's crazy that's crazy that people yeah, accuse me of getting a nose job it's, uh, it's insane yeah, so you have a, never you, had a nose job yeah okay so back yeah. to saha she's great i commend her for her work yes. and i i wish there was more like her honestly now, we you're a, a a woman in your 30s mm-hmm. your early 30s yeah. did what she was i mean i i would imagine uh, I mean, I love listening to her as yeah, well, yeah. but I imagine what she does in terms of her podcast, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, the kind of material, the content she puts out, that really speaks to oh, people. Oh, 100%. So that's to true, me, right? personally, yeah. I don't know about anybody else, yeah. but um, I can relate in the sense that I'm an Iranian girl that grew up in the West. And like exactly what she said, when in the beginning, I was more so embarrassed of the culture. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, ew, fob. I don't want to mm-hmm. you know, associate with this. Mm-hmm. I, I think for a lot of my life, I would say I was like half Spanish or something just to not be Persian. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't until I got older that I just suddenly realized, oh, wow, there's beautiful art, there's beautiful history, all this stuff. So I try to always focus on the positive and mm-hmm. not kind of mm-hmm. like what Sahar was saying. Yeah. It's better to do that because... Yes, there is a lot of negative well, in the listen, culture. Well, listen, I'll tell you, it's really nice to have a, a guest on the show mm-hmm. who you can say something nice about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time Keon's liked something. Uh, no, listen, I've learned I found uh, I found the guest interesting. <laughs> uh, Keon, this is a medical doctor who's uh, started a, who invented a cure for, mm, yeah, well, what they've done is interesting. Uh, I personally didn't have high expectations when Dr. Adahali first was pitched but I <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're so right I'll say the most benign mm. thing and uh, sure well, enough that very because they can guess. sense they can sense what you're <laughs> that you're not on side but with Sahar so you're on side alright yeah. hey uh, it's uh, sorry did you need to say something Shia uh, yes. Okay, please. Several times in my life, I've reached uh, to that point to start to record uh, something about my past, and you know, but it's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, several times, I've reached mm-hmm. to that moment. Okay, let's start. And I 
when I want to start, it's I, I just block and I cannot. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really powerful to. Well, I don't think that I think it's part of a continuum. I mean, she, it, that episode that you're talking about, the, the yes. my dark past that she that she recorded that we talked about during the interview. Yes, I mean, it, it it is an exceptional. Um, episode in terms of how far she goes uh, talking about her past but but it's part of what Sahar does I mean she does a podcast called on filter right. where she's very open in general mm-hmm. about um, as Keon says about being a, a young Iranian Canadian woman and and all that comes with that in terms of personal issues family issues etc you're not that way in general, right? I mean, you're you're more that's of a private right. guy. So yeah. I don't think I think just suddenly doing no, a right. podcast where you would like out yourself on everything yeah, about your life would right. would feel very unnatural to you. Maybe you yeah. know, even even when I go to therapy, uh, I mean, I I blocked. I cannot speak yeah. to. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's mm. really hard to speak from. Wow, you know what? I, yeah, I used to in therapy. Uh, I, I, this is how I know I've I've made progress, but for a long time, when we would get to really difficult stuff about my childhood, mm-hmm. I would fall asleep. Wow! No like way. this, I'd fall asleep really? really in the middle of like yeah, I'd be I'd law, yawn and fall asleep, and that is yeah. a that is something that happens when someone is dealing with past trauma or dealing with you know things that uh, mm. they don't want to deal with. They they sometimes that that's the the fight or flight that the yeah. flight is the shutdown of mm. of just like yeah. uh, you know wow. Uh, yeah wow that's yeah crazy. but I don't anymore. I yeah, more so true, yeah. fall asleep during our show. <laughs> Reza the talks? trauma Always of talking Reza to Reza, talks. yeah. <laughs> this, when I do therapy hey. after the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me what it's like to work with Captain Reza. <laughs> <laughs> You've fallen asleep. Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> trauma. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, it's Thursday. You know what that means, everybody out there. She's a dear friend, a diaspora blend, a tennis playing sensation, and a bicultural relation, a lovable, smart, <laughs> occasionally funny person, and on a journey to discover what we actually discovered. Here we go, Batchaha. It's all Persian to us with Kian Nademi. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's trauma for you right there. <laughs> Right, the sound of one person clapping. <laughs> you guys don't even clap anymore for the uh, key on uh, What do we got? I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. You teased us earlier in the show something about cats. Yes. Uh, the this episode of it's all Persian to us, mm-hmm. uh, where we discover what we actually discovered yes. in terms of Persians. Yeah. We'll take it away, key on well, Speaking of being number one, as you mentioned earlier. You know, you and Sahar yes. were discussing this. Yes, yes, I, re- yes. I remember what happened <laughs> after our yes. It's no secret that the Persian Empire was once the largest and most powerful empire that the world had ever seen. In fact, an estimated 44% of the world's total population was being ruled during the Achaemenid dynasty in 480 BC. Did you mm. guys know this? Yes. 44%, did you really? Well, I knew it was 44% a big. 44% I mean, of the percentage. world, that's, a, that's a, yeah. almost the whole world. Well, half, half. Yes, <laughs> less than half, actually. But yes. <laughs> yeah. Less than half, Kia. Yeah, well, 
Almost all. Keep going, Kim. Anyway, it's okay. So yeah. the <laughs> so the largest world empire doesn't just happen overnight. You know, it takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It takes skills, experience, resilience, and creativity to conquer, rule, and maintain <laughs> such vast lands and peoples. Like creating one of the fiercest armies ever known to the world, for example. It's not, it's not easy being it's, conquerors. It sure is not. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, I'll tell you that much. It takes a lot of creativity. I'll have you know, them, yeah. <laughs> they had true. to come up with crafty ways to maintain that warrior edge through inventions like the high heel, for example, mm-hmm. yep. to keep soldiers secure on horseback while shooting arrows. Or the invention of polo to train soldiers to be skillful fighters on horseback. Mm-hmm. Another way was to introduce the world's first ever chart of human rights to unite people from different nations, cultures, and religions. This all helped maintain peace and order under the Persian Empire. So being crafty has always been the way Persians expanded and maintained a vast empire ranging from North Africa all the way to east, all the way east to India. Well, in 525 BC, during the reign of Cambyses II, the king was feeling quite restless. I mean, his father was Cyrus the Great, so to say that he had big shoes to fill is an understatement. Cyrus had, after all, established the Persian Empire, conquered Babylon, freed the Jews, introduced human rights, you know, small stuff like that. So how could Cambyses II, the successor and oldest son of Cyrus the Great, possibly top all of that? Mm -hmm. The answer lies in North Africa, a jewel by the name of Egypt, a prosperous and powerful empire of its own right. Mm. And as the saying goes in ancient times, conquer or be conquered. So conquer it was as King Cambyses II drew up the plans to march towards the land of the pharaohs where he'd face off against Amasis II, ruler of Egypt. According to Herodotus, however, it's said that the conflict between Persia and Egypt all started when King Cambyses II asked the pharaoh of Egypt, Amasis II, for his daughter's hand in marriage. So hang on a second. Let me recap. Mm-hmm. There's a Persian Empire. Yes. Uh, th- things are being kept with uh, uh, peace and order, as yes. you say. I'm yeah. not sure, eh, much sure if that's universal peace during the <laughs> yes. Persian Empire, but okay. Right. There's Persian Empire. Yes. It's huge. Yes. 44%. Right. Which is, as we know, almost the whole almost world. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> and not then, enough, and, but and, sure. And then, and then there's this jewel in North Africa yes. called Egypt. Mm-hmm. And the Persians want to take Egypt as yes. well. Yes. Well, the, the reality of ancient times is, like I said, if they don't actually conquer those lands they risk being conquered Conquered, so they had to make a move before the egyptians made a move so it basically came down to that they had to do what they had to do sure yeah yeah. (laughs) so anyway not uh back to what was i even saying yes herodotus this is herodotus take of what actually happened so um who's he (laughs) he's the greek uh, historian that basically wrote all of the uh, ancient times but not the most reliable source i'll I'll get to that so anyway so king Cambyses the second asked the pharaoh of egypt amasis the second for his daughter's hand in marriage not willing to part with his daughter he sent the daughter of the previous pharaoh instead well Cambyses. wait what yeah well hang on a second (laughs) yes go on so who the 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 who offers the daughter 
So the pharaoh did not want to actually send his own daughter. But the so, per, but the, the who's our Persian? So so the ruler? story the story goes that Cambyses the second right right Cambyses the second. You guys are ruining everything. <laughs> no no sorry Cambyses <laughs> so the asks for the pharaoh's yes. daughter. Yes he wanted to make you know unity and by uh, by and marrying the daughter. That's, that's how, that's they how did you it make back unity. Then. Right that's right. how they did it. So. So this guy, little this pharaoh, little does he know he gets sent does, the uh, right. Well, Comices <laughs> was no fool. He soon discovered this trickery <laughs> and felt extremely insulted and waged a war against Egypt. Wrong. Oh, okay. What right. did you say? Wrong. The wrong daughter. The wrong right. Daughter. Exactly. Yeah, okay. He figured it out. He's like, wait a minute, something's fishy here. <laughs> yeah. So whether this narrative is true or not, we don't know. I mean, the Greeks weren't exactly the most reliable source in Persian history, but you know. Mm. Nonetheless, Comices the Second did, in fact, she, wait. She's still angry at the Greeks. I know. I know. She's still <laughs> like, you know, I don't know if we can trust those people. <laughs> it's been three thousand years, <laughs> but. Uh. Uh, but but nonetheless, this the, they did. Comices the Second did, right. in fact, wage war against Egypt. This is a fact. Should we take an entire episode for this? This is very long. Well, it's yeah. it's about to get really interesting. Oh boy. Okay. Fine. Now That's now he good. was he was planning a battle in the middle of the harsh Egyptian desert. Against Who was? Combeses. Oh my God! Is anybody listening? Well, I'm trying to keep it straight for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, because there's a lot of information yeah. here. You're yeah. throwing it all out there. I mean, you want you want all people right. to tune in or not? So, so Combeses yes. now <laughs> is going after Egypt yes. because of the daughter issue. Uh, but, well, uh, allegedly, but the oh, other. But story, we don't know because the yeah. Greeks told that story. Yeah, alleged, right. but uh, for all we know, he just. Why are the Greeks <laughs> telling the story of the Persians and the Egyptians? I, they burned down our books, Gion, uh-huh. when Alexander the Great right. came over, and this, you know, like huh. the, you know, it's so all gone. Sad. But how did the Greeks know about this? How do you know about what happened yesterday in the world? News travels. They had books. Their books wasn't burned. Yeah, right. exactly. Oh, I see. They made the. They wrote the books about what happened, in, but they weren't there, is what I'm saying. They yeah. weren't there. Listen, yeah. with everything in history, like we, we weren't there, right? We're right. just kind of. But Abbas Milani tells me. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I know. <laughs> that's it. I read his stuff, but I don't know why they. Anyway, all right, okay. Right. So I'm trying to get. I'm trying to figure this out. All right, right please. So, so Comices, I'm not like these guys who pretend they <laughs> yeah. know all of this. I don't know. So, and I'm asking. So Comices II was planning right. a battle in the middle of the harsh Egyptian desert against a mighty army on their own turf. Hmm. So he knew this wouldn't be an easy feat. Mm-hmm. So he developed a new revolutionary military tactic done by no one else in history. A psychological warfare so advanced, so genius, it would put today's technology to shame. Now that editorializing, uh, that that sort of uh, editorializing about how great the Persian genius was—that's not from the Greeks, right? No, is this this is Kian Nademi. Right, this is <laughs> Apparently, this is where we get our history from. <laughs> that's so reliable. Everyone, shit, we're great. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you all in timeout so I can finish this goddamn yes. story. Please. All right, yes, yes, sorry. Yeah. So he marched his army into the Battle of Pelusium and made sure each of his soldiers had with them a special protective shield, a cat. Oh. Yes, you heard me, a cat. That's Cats are good in the desert? No, that slick oh. commissies was well informed on the customs and beliefs of the Egyptians. Rule number one of war, know thy enemy. The Egyptians had many I thought gods. It was conquer before you get conquered. Haven't you read the, Sorry, the Art yeah. of War? There is a whole list right, of right, them. Right, right. Yeah. I have not so, read that actually. It's please. a good book, yeah. book actually. Um, the Egyptians had many gods and goddesses, one of which was the goddess Bastet. She had the head of a cat and the body of a woman, 
And killing a cat was the biggest insult to the goddess, which was punishable by death in Egypt. In fact, cats were so sacred that they were held above humans. If a building was on fire, for example, the cats would be saved before the humans <laughs> would. Another fun fact, if a cat died of natural death, the whole Egyptian household would mourn the loss by shaving their eyebrows. Oh I have no God. idea why. These are just things that... <laughs> 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 happy with it yeah I mean, well yeah. all that to say cats were pretty sacred in egypt yeah. to say the least yeah. and Cambyses knew this of course so he used their own religion against them wow. hit them where it hurts right yeah. so the persian army plowed through the streets of egypt swinging cats and taking <laughs> names meow PETA didn't exist in ancient times, by the way, in case you're wondering. Right, right. Yeah. So they were swinging the cats? Yes, it was a cata <laughs> catastrophe. Okay, right. I came with that one. <laughs> on yes. That one's clearly you. But uh, so, okay, so, so uh, right, we don't care. We, Right. You know, we're, so, there's, there's no animal rights here. We, right, so, we're using the cats to, right. to distract the Egyptians because they're like, stop swinging <laughs> so they, that. They're like, then we hit the Egyptians. Well, they, they basically like let the cats go ahead of them and they like you know pick them up and use them as a shield. And the Egyptian soldiers. This is weird. I don't know about this story. I swear to God. Who told you this story? Where did you get this story? I swear to God on my mother's the life. The Persians start swinging story. cats. I'm then, serious. Then, wait, wait a minute. Is that, is that where the term came? I'm from serious. swinging a cat yeah. what is that word the uh, term swinging not enough a cat? room to swing i don't know about that but and the know. point is they use what is the, the point they use the cats we win the war because of the cats <laughs> can i just get to yeah, all right yeah so as you can probably already guess as yeah. you have the egyptian army didn't fight back they were too scared of killing a sacred kitty cat Ooh. and angering the feared goddess bastet who would punish them ruthlessly in the afterlife and soon enough, Egypt fell into the hands of Cambyses II, making Persia the largest empire in the world. So it's at that point when I they see. took over right, Egypt that they right, became right. the yeah. Because of the cats that we were swinging. <laughs> exactly. Can't wait for somebody to write in. You know, you know there's going to be it's like, true. I'm a professor of history at the University of Florida. <laughs> I swear to Please God. Please detain the person who was <laughs> telling no, this story. I'm serious. I, yeah. I will like, I you're serious. No, the you, hell You're very it. serious. Yeah, yeah, so, okay, all right. yeah, so uh, let me go on. And rule they did, that is, of course, until some brat named Alexander disrupted things a bit and ruined everything, pretty much. Rude. But I digress. So the Persian Empire had to constantly be innovative and crafty with the way they ruled. That's the only way they were able to rule such a vast empire spanning three continents for hundreds of years. And according to Sun Tzu's famous book, The Art of War, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Well. Know their enemy they did. And in the end, it's all Persian to us. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. <laughs> so, well, that's great. So what is that we discovered? The, so I like the I, use of cats. Yeah, yeah, as a war, as a war, as a war. I'm waiting for what? No, what the, is the? It's all the, version the, to the us. The yeah. war strategy ah, of using win, uh, cats against them. I mean, as horrible as it is, right. it's kind of genius in a way. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm, how could we defeat the mighty Egyptians? So they, I've rounded up <laughs> thousands cats. of cats. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, you know. <laughs> entered the Egyptian desert swinging the cats. Dude, I don't know. That's, how, much. You, I'm like that's how U.S. won the Iraq war, dude. I'm <laughs> yeah. telling you. But if it's true, they got screwed. No, I mean, it, it is, is why, it's definitely... Why are you guys questioning this? No. I'm, well, I'm a because offended. I think it's... Uh, I'm, I, I, first of all, I don't question that 
something happened to do with a cat and you know uh but i it just seems extraordinary the it army is. rounded up cats mm-hmm. and took them right and then swung them right so, so i mean listen cats cats were where sacred. did they get the cats from did they bring them from iran because it would take like years to travel specific, from listen, and how, what did they feed the cats you know to keep when, them I, when i healthy for the, the egyptians to be scared of them and cats only live like 15 years it would take probably 10 years to get to egypt so no. you gotta bring no. you what, you, get what are you what, what are you talking what about what are you talking about to egypt, to egypt to like they they horses and it takes months it takes months to and they also use ships they're in high heels so they can run <laughs> the Persians are, <laughs> are running in their heels. Oh man! <laughs> All the way to screwed. Egypt with the cats. Now listen, don't we know how did they, she's right? Yeah. There was a Persian Empire. Someone had to. I mean, we had to. How do you do a Persian Empire? You know, you yeah. have to rule the thing with uh, what cats. did you say? Ingenuity <laughs> yeah. and creativity <laughs> and uh, yeah. craftiness. Uh, yeah. Craftiness. And, uh, yeah. Well, this has been a most interesting <laughs> education. Thank you. It sure has. Thank you. For, uh, do you know what's the pronunciation of canvases in Farsi? Kambiz. No. No? No. I ca- com- Go on. It's Cambodia. Oh, yeah. Cambodia. Cambodia. I'm naming oh. my firstborn Cambodia. Cambodia. <laughs> <laughs> Cambodia. So wait, why? how do you go from Cambodia to Kambiz? But how do you go from Kurosh to Cyrus? Uh, yeah, same uh, thing. Uh, <laughs> no, but that's a, no, 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 no. But Cyrus is the Greek uh, word for uh, Kurosh. So how do you go for Cambodia, Persian name, uh-huh. to Cambyses? To Cambyses. Cambyses. Cambyses is not Cambyses. It's Cambyses. You said no, but in Iranian, in Iranian, I said I, I no, but in Iranian, it's Cambyses, like Cambyses Hosseini. Oh, is it for the same example. thing? Com- yeah. But the the son of Cyrus is. Cambodia, and that somehow. But prob- maybe, to maybe, uh, maybe Cambodia. All I know is my steak had uh, <laughs> a bit of Cambodia on it. Uh, to show. <laughs> there wasn't enough uh, Cambodia on my steak. <laughs> uh, you look pretty Cambodia. <laughs> I, I got some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been cutting down. I'm Cambodia yeah. these days. <laughs> Listen, uh, uh, guys, write to us, please. Somebody back please me up fix here. This. this is a yeah. true Tell story. Tell us what happened with the cats. These guys don't believe me. I, there's historians who listen to this show I'm they tell- really are i pulled this from historians okay yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure according to you not a very good no, one uh, herodotus is well no that's that's one take <laughs> on the, the story were the historians called buzzfeed on the internet no it's fascinating i love it i i love the whole story i learn and uh now what was what was the period when this happened with the cats oh, this the, would have been the uh, year what was it pause okay pause Pause. 4, no, no, no. It was 525B.C. 525B.C. Yeah. So this would have been immediately after the rule of Cyrus the Great. And actually, the story is that Cyrus the Great already had the plans in place to take over Egypt because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, apparently they were a little ruthless to the uh, the Egyptians. So I they're think like, listen, we ruthless. need to spread our humanity and, back and in peace. The d- and back in the day, everyone was ruthless. <laughs> yeah, well, except for the English football team. <laughs> Could use a little bit more ruthlessness. <laughs> Thank you, Kian Doch, the fabulous Kian, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you, Captain Reza. Thank you, Groovy Shaya. Uh, this is full time for Rook for today. Thank you to Sahara Goshani for coming into our Rook studio today. Uh, for all things Rook, including becoming a patron of this show, rookmedia.com. Rookmedia.com, where you can find all of our episodes, all of our guests. 
and the button to support us and become a patron. By the way, thank you again to Mo Rahimion and Inshufin for uh, helping to make this program happen today. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Producer Susan Ponta, the artist. Thoughtful Nagin, the fabulous Keon. Super Parisa. Savvy Roham. Ahoy Merthod. Sponsorship Sean. Captain Reza and Groovy Shia. Thank you to those of you out there supporting us and sharing our content. And subscribe on any or all of our platforms if you've not done so already. Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi and Mizunbashi. Mizunbashi.